Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 122. And today we're sitting with Hugo Centeno. That's right, man. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Um, just found out about you from yeah. uh, from Sky. You know, I had Sky on here on the podcast, and he's just put, been putting uh, putting me on to people that are like making moves, right? Locally, dude, and. Uh, uh, we start. He texts us in a group text, and right. then I started following you and checking you out. And then I seen that you have a fight coming up. Yeah, man, on the twenty first. Oh, by the way, Sky's a real cool dude. Yeah, yeah shout out to Sky, man. Yeah, man, he's definitely uh, bringing people together, especially locally, like you said. And it's all about supporting one another. So yeah. We can- help each other get out there definitely so people who aren't familiar <laughs> with you if you could just give us a quick breakdown of who you are and what I'm you a, do um technically it's a world-renowned professional boxer Sick. um considered one of the best middleweights in the world um been a i get a chance to you know say that i'm ranked with the best yeah of the best and um that's exactly who i am man i've been boxing for almost 22 years now wow I'm 28, so it's pretty much my whole life. Damn, um, dude. Yeah, so it's it's been a long time, man. It's been a long grind, like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's just long grind. Definitely, man. There's, I, I always feel like there's two types of people, people that understand the grind and then they don't. You right. know, No matter where your grind is, whether it's in boxing or cars or in liquor like Sky or whatever, right. it's like you, you, kind of, you kind of get what it takes to get to that level it, right it's it like how we were talking about the the whole nine to five earlier yeah it's just not in us you know i'd rather hustle all day for myself than yeah. a nine to five for somebody else you know and that's exactly and that's exactly how how um i've been my whole life man i just i've never known anything else good and man i don't want to because i love this you know yeah so let's go ahead and get into your uh early life born and raised here in oxnard yeah man yeah. born and raised in oxnard and um yeah just I've done everything here in Oxnard. Born and raised in Oxnard. My parents are from Mexico, and they um, got here in their teens. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they. My dad used to box when he was younger, and uh, he never wanted me to box. Really? Yeah, he's just like, "Hey, man, like, it's a tough sport. So I don't think you could do it. And if you do, I'll support you. But why don't you play baseball instead?" Yeah, I'm like baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like fun. <laughs> And so I'd always watch the fights with them. At the time, they had Tuesday night fights and Friday night fights. And so I'd be right there pretending like I was boxing. And um, he picked up these gloves at a at a yard sale. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, put them on, you know, let, let me see what you got. Let's see if you really you really made of it. And, you know, and he used to make me cry all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> he'd put the gloves on with me and he'd frustrate me. And I was, you know, I was a kid. And so he'd just try to see what he could bring out of me. Yeah. And he's like, hey, man, like... You know what? Like, if you're serious about this, I think you got something. And so, you know, we'd go to the laundromats when we were younger, and my dad would be pretending we'd do the mitts right there in the laundromats. <coughs> he'd be folding clothes, and and um, he'd be pretending we'd be doing the mitts. And, yeah. and I'm like, Daddy, you know what? I really want to pursue this. And so I turned seven, and I went to a local boxing gym, and they're like, hey, man, you're too young, you know? Um, at the time, they had a few world champions. And they're like, you're too young and you can't be in here. You know, there's too many grown-ups and you're just a liability. So they turned me away. So uh, I went to a different gym out in Port Wainimi. And at the time, my dad couldn't train me because he had a full-time job. And uh, so he took me out to the Boys and Girls Club out in Port Wainimi. And then that's where I started. That's seven. Yeah, it's seven. And then since then, I've just been head over heels for the sport. Really? Yeah, man. It's It's just a high that... 
from what I know of, <laughs> that you just can't re like uh, replicate. Yeah, it's just it, there's nothing like having pretty much casts on, and then a small ten ounce glove, and then it's you versus the other guy, and he's trying to kill you, and the adrenaline that runs through your blood is just like no other. Dude, at seven though, that's crazy, yeah. man. Do you remember those days? Yeah, man. It, it was those days were a lot tougher because I didn't know what I was doing, and um, that gym was real packed, and there was. This, there was this coach, he was, he was kind of a douche. Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, there's too many kids here. You know, it's too packed. You can't even move around. And so he told one of his fighters, he's like, hey, man, you want to keep sparring? Spar that kid, Hugo. Uh -huh. He's like, kick his ass until he doesn't come back. And sure enough, man, this kid would kick my ass every single day. Like, sparring is usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And he would spar me every day. And just at the time, I had a real sensitive nose. And, um... Uh, I would go home with a like super bloody shirt, and my dad's like, "What's going on? Like, are you going to a butcher shop? <laughs> like, like this is crazy, man! Like, you're a kid." Yeah. And um, like the the guy would just go off on me every day until finally uh, there was a coach there, and he's like, "Hey, man, w when's your dad come?" I'm like, "Oh, when he picks me up, you know." He's, like, "I want to talk to him when he comes," and he tells my dad, "Hey, I really think your your son's got a passion for it. You know, I see that he doesn't give up and he doesn't quit." And he still keeps coming forward when when the most kids would start crying and leave the gym with the bloody nose. So sure enough, the guy started training me. He trained me for about a year. And then my dad's all like, all right, you know, I got a little more leeway. Um, I can start training you full time. Yeah. And then ever since then, it's just been me and my pops. Dude, that's dope, yeah. man. That's probably like a huge bonding with you guys, right? Definitely, man. Um, it was a little hard at first because you got to have a few different relationships. Because it's it's um, father son, coach and boxer, oh, and shit. then we act like friends also. So it's friend and friend. And early on, I didn't know how to how to read them. You know, sometimes I'd try to mess around with them and and BS like we're we're friends and try mm. to come at him like a homie, like all the other guys would. Mm -hmm. He's like, you can't talk to me like that. You're my son. You're not my friend. And I'd be like, oh damn. And so he'd take like a lot of that stuff personal and then take it home or he'd take our boxing relationship and he'd take it home. And so a lot of the other fighters, when they do something wrong, they would leave the gym and then that's it. Yeah. Until they come back to the gym. And for me, it's like, well, we'd leave the gym and then I'd still hear it at home. And then mm. if I did something at home, then I'd hear it at the gym. So it's like I never got away from that. And so it took us a while to, to, to get it down. Yeah. You know, but once we did, it's like now everything's smooth sailing. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So, did you have any other? Uh, do you have any other siblings? Yeah, I have a younger brother who's uh, my head coach at the moment. Sick. Yeah, um, he's he's been around his whole life as well, but he's always wanted to be a coach. Okay. So um, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows the game in and out. He's like a boxing encyclopedia. He just knows who fought who, where they fought, what they fought for, what weight. Yeah. You know, just the whole nine. And then uh, I have an older sister. Um, but she never really got into it too much. I mean, she messed around with it, but it was just never for her. Yeah. So what school did you go to? Excuse me. Um, I went to Oxnard High. Oh, okay. Yeah. So right now when you were saying that, uh, you were working over at Best Buy in 09. <laughs> yeah. I was graduating Oxnard High in 09. Oh, no yeah, shit. Yeah. So you were graduated. Yeah. That's Oxnard dope, High. man. Yeah. yeah. I, um, <laughs> I went to Wainimi. All right. Yeah. But same thing, born and raised, dude. That's why I'm excited to have you in here, man. I, I, I want to like understand what what makes you you right you know yeah so what was it like uh growing up learning about boxing like 
how did you deal with that when it came to maybe some conflict that you would have at school or outside of the home or outside of the gym? Right, right. Um, so growing up, I grew up in Colonia till I was about 10. Okay. So, um, you know, it was a rough neighborhood, but my dad never wanted us to, you know, go down that path. My dad's like, you know, I've been here. I know what it brings. And it's not, it's not for you guys. It's not what I want for you guys. So um, right when I was about 10, we moved out of Colonia. And then we moved closer to the north side on kind of like towards Oxnard High. Okay. And um, I never really had to go through too much. Everyone was like, oh, he's a boxer. You know, he's a boxer. So oh, gotcha. I never... I never really had to, like, deal with too many confrontations. At school, you know, I went to Fremont Junior High, um, to a few different elementary schools, but I never had any problems. Yeah, it's just, it, even when, if someone, like, then knew who I was, like, bumped into me or something, it was always like, sorry, man, sorry, and I was just like, I never really had to, I was never, I'm, I've never been the type of person to be confrontational. Yeah. Outside of the ring, because, I mean, I know hmm. what I can do. And I know also that, so once you become an amateur fighter and you get a license uh, as an amateur fighter, you, um, you're you licensing your hands as lethal weapons. So if I hit somebody outside of boxing, I could get arrested. Yeah. And so I always knew, like, <coughs> I, I always knew that if I hit somebody, I could get in trouble. I could either lose my license, I could get suspended from boxing, I could get arrested, you know, et cetera. And I could hurt someone really bad. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah. man. Uh, a lot of people that uh, I've spoken to, you know, that that box, uh, they they have like a an anger inside of them, and that's that's a way of them releasing it. What do you feel like your motivation is for boxing? Um, growing up, it was always becoming a world champion, and it's still becoming a world champion. You know, I've always kept my eye on the prize, and I've been very close. And I'm still very close. Um, but now an added motivation is definitely my family. You know, I have a little girl now. She's yeah. uh, two years old. Awesome. Congrats, uh, my wife. Man. Thanks, man. My wife and, um, you know, their motivation to just, like we said earlier, not to work that nine to five and to be able to give them that. Yeah. Be debt free and, and just not having to worry about bills is definitely a motivation to, to not let them struggle. Yeah. You know, because it's definitely tough out here. Yeah, for definitely, all of us, man. especially in this economy. Did you guys struggle a lot um, growing up? Um, up until I want to say I was like fifteen. My mom was doing really well in uh, real estate, mm. and um, then when the whole market thing crashed and and everyone started losing everything, that's when it started getting tough again. Really? Yeah, it got real tough. And uh, but we just stuck together, man. Family, you know, family ski, and we just leaned on one another. And as long as we had our family, we were good. You guys are still pretty close. Yeah, man, still pretty close. Uh, me, me, and my brother. Like I said, my brother's my my uh, head coach, so I see him every day. You know, we're always talking about boxing, things we can improve on, how we can take things to the, to the next level. So he's always doing research on how to push me. Yeah, you know. And then for my younger, for my older sister, um, she uh, she's always just really involved with her kids. You know, she's really just doing the mom thing and then just always working. But we still always try to get together, especially for the holidays and just spend time with one another, you know? That's what's up, man. So how does your wife feel about you boxing? At first, at first she was, I mean, she's so, my wife, I met her when I was 12. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so I met my wife when I was 12, but uh, I used to hang out with this this, um, group of friends because of boxing. 
I always hung out with an older crowd because uh-huh. boxing brings just so many different ages, you know. And so at the time, I was 12, and my really good friend was 16. And so I'd go hang out with him, and he'd bring all his homies, and I'd just be like that young kid hanging out with a bunch of older kids. And yeah. at the time, 12 and 16 is a huge difference, you know. And so um, we'd all hang out, and at the time, my wife was dating one of my friend. His name's Steven. Mm-hmm. My friend, his homie, she was dating him. Okay. And... And so I was just always like, man, she's so beautiful. She's so pretty. But I was, I was 12. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> that little kid, like, what's he doing here? And so, um, you know, uh, I just like see her in passing and she always knew who I was. And then I turned 18 and, uh, she went to fashion school. She went to fit him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was looking to make team shirts and at the time I didn't know that many people. And so I, I was like, Hey Steven, like, what do I do, man? Like, how can I make team shirts? And he's like, Oh, why don't you hit up Ezra? my wife's name mm-hmm. he said why don't you hit up Ezra I heard she's in fashion maybe she could hook you up or introduce you to you know somebody that, that can make you team shirts I was like alright so I hit her up and at the time I think it was MySpace yeah <laughs> and I was all like hey hey Ezra how's it going long time no talk hey I'm getting ready to do my professional debut you know kind of boasting <laughs> a little bit you know like like I'm about to be a pro and so um, she's like oh you know that's good to hear I'm doing well uh and it was like very short yeah. i was like oh hey by by any chance like do you know anybody that can help me out um make shirts and um maybe you come to my fight like just trying to be all smooth oh, kind of suave, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and she's like oh no nah, busy um but i don't know anybody just like that wow just short and i was like uh okay <laughs> she's like oh but if you if i can help with anything else here's my number so i saved it but i never like hit her up or anything <laughs> and so um so i did my fight um this other guy had me some team shirts and then uh i was in a relationship and then probably about a year and a half passed so i was like 19 at the half 19 and a half at the time and um you remember that app it was called kick yeah 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 uh, so this is when kick just first oh, came out shit, yeah yeah kick. we got no right it's taking it back <laughs> <laughs> and so i downloaded kick and then um kick goes through all your numbers yeah. and tells you oh so-and-so has kicks and i was like Ezra still has the same number? Yeah. It's like, oh, she has kick. It says, Ezra has kick. And then it says, oh, would you like to say hi? And I was like, all right. I'll say hi. I was like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? And like right away, instantly, she wrote me back. And I was like, all right. Oh, shit. And then um, so we caught up for a little bit. And then she had told me she had just gone out of a relationship, too. And uh, she, what happened next? She told me she just got out of a relationship, and uh, I'm like, oh, well, we should get together sometime, uh, maybe catch dinner, and um, catch up. And she's like, oh, well, didn't we just do that? And I was like, um. Damn, she's playing hard to get. Yeah, and I was like, what's going on here? Since 12. Yeah, like, I'm not 12 no more, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, not, I'm mature 19, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, so I'm like, well, maybe I can take you out to dinner sometime. And she's like. Nah, I'm really busy. And I was like, well, um, an early dinner? And yeah. she's like, nah, I really, I really can't. Like, I have a lot of stuff going on. And she's like, well, maybe we could do lunch. And I was all like, lunch? That's what you do with, like, relatives, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Or, like, distant family that comes into town. And so I was like, you know what? All right. And so at the time, I was making, like, crap money. Yeah. And um, I spent, like, all the money that I had 
on a brand new outfit. I was trying oh, to like dress shit. to the nines. You know what I mean? You went to T-shirt and, warehouse yeah, or what? <laughs> I, went, I went to Tilly's at the okay, time. Okay, damn. Yeah. All right. And so I went to Tilly's and I got me a new outfit, new shoes, new pants. Hell yeah. A brand new shirt. And so I was I was feeling fly, you know? Yeah. And so so she's like, I, uh, we met up at Hookburger. This is when I had first came out. Gotcha. And so we met up there and she's like, all right, well, I can't stay for too long. I only got 15 minutes. I'm, I really got a lot of work that I got to get back to. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to make this quick. And I was like, 15 minutes? Damn, I hope you left the tags on. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I was like, damn, 15 minutes? And so, we sit down and we start we start eating, we start catching up. And then, uh, I start making her laugh. And so, I'm like, all right, that's a good sign. If I can make yeah. her laugh, I'm in. Hell yeah. And so, 15 minutes turn into 20, 20 turn into 30, 30 turn into an hour. And she's like, oh, damn, like... I have to get back to work like this has been awesome like we should do it again sometime and i was like yes hell yeah like we're gonna do this again <laughs> and um after that man it was just it's pretty much history we That's dated dope. for five years uh i asked her to marry me and then we've been together for nine years now Dude. married married for four congratulations yeah. Thanks, man. man that's awesome how'd you propose um so she's she's uh a big fan of the little mermaid okay um so the guy who makes my fight outfits he's a real cool dude he's here in town also and um i'm like hey man i want to propose to my wife she loves prince eric Mm -hmm. from the little mermaid can you make me this outfit so i showed him and then he made me the outfit i wore it i invited um it was like right after christmas i invited all our friends to church I go, she's never going to expect it. I go, I'm going to invite all our friends to church. And she, um, she's like, why though? And I'm like, well, you know, a lot of, a lot of these people are like new year, new me. Maybe they want to try something, something different. Yeah. And so sure enough, you know, all our friends showed up. I'm like, sit in the front row though. And I'm like, Hey babe, like, why don't we try sitting in the front row? So we went to the front row, I had the outfit in the back of my truck. And so she sat down I'm like, oh, I have to use the restroom real quick. And so I went to the restroom. I changed. I had coordinated with the pastor, and so he's like, oh, you know what? Uh, I guess he had been calling me for a bit, and then so I came running out of the restroom, and then uh, they opened the doors, and then I walked all the way to the front, and then asked her to marry me. Whoa. Awesome. And then afterwards, you know, all the older guys were like, hey, man, you can't be doing stuff like that. I'm like, why? You're making us look bad. Hell yeah. (laughs) Right? You know, I I had aim for the sky. That's the job, bro. Yeah, man. So it's good, man. Like I said, she's, she's, um someone who understands the grind she's a super hustler uh when i had met her why she was so busy was because at the time she was 23 and i was 19 she was she had a corporate job she was putting herself through the master's program to get her master's degree oh wow yeah uh in business and uh she's going to the gym full-time so she was like her whole day and she would still make time to come see me you know so it was like she was super busy all day. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like now I understand why you're so short with me, you know. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, bro. and even now, like she she has a very entrepreneurial mindset. What is she up to now? Um, so she worked for um at the time she worked when I was first started dating her, she worked for Javiana. Mm-hmm. Uh they're like a sandal company. Okay. And um after that she started working for BCBG um i believe they're based out of la okay and um after that she she moved back here to oxnard and started working at harbor freight 
the corporate company in Calabasas. Got you, got you. And she was working there for a while, and then um, I started doing better in boxing. And I'm like, you know what, babe? Like you said, you always wanted to work for yourself, and you wanted to go into business for yourself. She had a cousin who, who was um, working at a Vietnamese food place, and he worked at the Valencia Westfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, um, the owner is trying to sell his business you know anybody who's interested and i was doing a lot better and i'm like you said you wanted to invest my money into something because boxing's not forever yeah why don't we invest in this and see what we can do and so um we didn't know nothing about you know the the restaurant business but we bought it out it was a vietnamese food place like pho yeah and so we bought it and it was like a crash course on like business. Really? Yeah, man. And when, so when we bought it, the guy was doing terrible at the business and she turned it around and we did well for three years and then we sold it. And then we started um, a churro company. Um, it's called, well, at the time it was called Churro Sticks. Mm-hmm. We were inside the the Pacific View Mall. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No we were way. there for almost two years. Okay. Yeah. And then... Um, Things just started slowing down there a lot. You know, yeah, that mall is wild yeah. now, dude. <laughs> there's a lot of stores that are closing. <laughs> yeah. And just downstairs alone before we left, uh, I think that was like early September. Um, There was like, I think it was like 14 stores just downstairs that were closed. September this year? Of this year. No shit. Yeah, so it was, like, it was like half the mall downstairs. Wow. And so we were like, well, since we're getting less foot traffic, um do we get you know lower rent and they're like no we can't do that and so we just packed up our stuff and we're like all right then that's it and was just, it like a month to month kind it of was thing? a it was a lease okay so gotcha. we just you know we had to pay the difference obviously so but i mean it was it was good but a lot of people don't go to the mall anymore especially now that the annex is there yeah so we just started uh we changed the name because um it was uh it was a bigger company and so we just wanted to go um private uh-huh. like you know just independent and so we changed the name, so now it's called Churro Champ. Yeah, Churro yeah. Champ. Yeah. I know. I yes. saw it on your social media, dude. It looks delicious. Yeah, <laughs> man. So we do that, and uh, so we just cater parties, and I go in there, get my hands dirty. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, he's just the owner. He's not going to show up. Yeah. I show up right there and make the churros myself, or my wife will make them, and, you know, just get dirty. The hustle, you know, like yeah. we said, it just doesn't stop. Yeah, definitely, man. Is it is it open every day or is it just for parties? Just for catering. Just for catering. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so people like put in, either we'll drop them off or they'll pick them up or they want live catering and we'll do that. Um, but yeah, man, it's just hustling. And now she has a full-time job again. And uh, she's working over at Bayer, uh-huh. uh, the pharmaceutical company. Okay. Yeah, so she's working there now and they're located in Oxnard as well. So just hustling all day, man. How's the churro hustle going? Uh, it's good, man. It's It's got its ups and its downs, but um, for the most part, every month has been getting better. You know, thank God every, every month has been getting better. And uh, we're able to, you know, help people with weddings, birthday parties, whatever the case is. Yeah. Uh, they'll order boxes or they'll have us cater live and it'll be good, man. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. So what about uh your your apparel? Did she find somebody to help you out with that? Yeah, yeah, no. After after you know staying in boxing for such a long time, I just met a bunch of different people and then that that just became easy. Yeah. yeah. So do you sell any merch? Um, I haven't gotten to that yet. That's what I'm trying I'm that's one of my goals for next year is like to sell merchandise and um just any just anything I can to promote myself because that's one thing I've always lacked in is just 
putting myself out there. Sometimes I feel like using the connections that I got, I feel kind of like embarrassed asking for a favor or the help. So I kind of, uh, now that I'm working with this PR team that Sky's a part of, mm. um, they're helping me like branch out to a lot of different people that I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I feel that if I see somebody like hustling and putting work in, I never mind helping out. Yeah. And as long as like you're that kind of person, you'll you'll have people helping you out all the time. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that that want you to do everything for them right, and right. they want to do like the the least the amount least of work, amount, right. you know. But uh that's awesome, man. So do you want to have like a clothing line or you just want to sell merch just to promote um, your your brand i'd like to have a clothing line or any type of line you know like i'm i'm a very fashionable type of guy got you so e- either it's like whether it's sportswear or like dress gear like to go out um i'd love to have both yeah yeah so i saw you say in a previous interview that um like you just said you had trouble uh putting yourself out there where, where do you feel like that comes from um, I don't know if it's, it's, it's not pride. I think it's just, uh, like that sense of like asking for a favor. Like, I feel like I've had to do everything myself yeah. up until this point and like, I can still do that. But, um, I don't know. I feel just like that semi sense of embarrassment. I feel like, um, just, I don't know if it's pride or guilt, like asking someone, like to put my burdens on someone else. Right? Got you. You know what I mean? Now, what about like growing your social media? How much importance do you feel in that? I feel like it's a great deal, especially like uh, in um, times like today. You know, kids are all about the social media. And so I'm trying it out, you know, especially with Instagram. I've been doing it for a bit, but I feel like it just fluctuates up and down, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> I've been trying this whole TikTok thing now. Yeah. It is hard to get, <laughs> you know, to get used to, you know, all these kids have like so much going on. And and I feel like, well, I'm not that old to do it. You know, like I'm 28. I'm on know, TikTok. So, yeah. I'm you know? 34. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I'm like, you know, um, I can I can get with it. I just it's gonna take a little time. Yeah. Okay, what about should. YouTube? No, I never done it either, man. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Dude. And then even my wife's like, you should start a podcast for dads. Yeah. Because I'm I take care of my uh, my little girl full time now. Oh really? Yeah. Awesome. So I take her to the gym with me every day, and like she's with me up and down because Ezra works now. Uh huh. So my my schedule is a little easier to to yeah. you know, move around. So I'll take her to the gym, and my dad and my brother will help me out. So I'll be doing the mitts with one of them, and then they'll be taking care of... Uh, my daughter's name is Amelia. Yeah. So they'll be taking care of Emmy, and um, if I have to work with my dad, then my brother will take care of her. So gotcha. like, they'll just switch off. That's cool that you have a lot of help, man. Yeah, that's, man. That's really awesome. Without them, I wouldn't be able to yeah. you know, handle handle it. You yeah, know? definitely. Especially as I get ready for a fight. Yeah. So let's talk about that, man. You have the fight on the 21st, <laughs> 17 days from today. Yeah. In uh, Toyo- at the Toyota Center in Ontario. Yeah. So uh, paint the picture, man. What's what's camp look like right now? Um, I've been training harder than I've ever been training, man. Um, my brother is, for lack of a better word, uh, is a hard ass. Mm-hmm. He's super tough, and um, he just doesn't let me take any shortcuts. And you know, it's it's put in the work, and then we'll see it come fight night. Mm-hmm. And um, this guy that I'm fighting, he's uh, 21 wins, 21 knockouts, three losses. 21 knockouts? Yeah, so like, Whoa. you know, all his wins are by knockout, you know, so it's definitely a heavy-handed puncher, but, you know, I feel like uh, I have what it takes to, to beat him. 
So when was your last fight? Uh, it was June 1st of this year. June 1st. Yeah, that one was super close. I fought another guy who was ranked in the top 10 in the middleweight division. And um, I honestly thought it was a draw mm-hmm. from the bottom of my heart. Even right after the fight, I told my brother, I went back to the corner. And he's like, I think you pulled it off. And I was like, no, nah, I think it was a draw. But they gave it to the other guy. So it's it's like you never know with, with boxing, you know? Yeah. So say that the build up to the fight on the twenty first. How much interaction do you have with your uh, the guy that you're fighting? Um, depending on how big the fight is. So since this fight is not, it'll be televised. I believe it'll be on FS1. Okay, cool. And um, so since this guy's not, he's not super well known. Um, there's not too much build up. Like whatever the build up I put behind it is what it's gonna be. Mm. Um, like he's not a social media presence, and ah. he's he just. He's not uh, someone that sells. And it's surprising because he has a record like he does, you know. Um, so I would feel like uh, the promotional company would, would put more behind it. But they have so many world champions on the card that um, they're more, they're focused, their main focus is on them. Yeah. You know, so it's whatever I put out there. Got you. Now, when yeah. you go into these fights, is there ever any sort of animosity that builds up? Um, there has been uh especially like when i fought on uh hbo okay um i had this fight a while back uh i probably had like 14 fights at the time okay and so uh i had a headbutt with this other guy who was undefeated at the time i was undefeated as well and we're fighting for a small title so i had a headbutt and if the fight ends due to a headbutt or an injury before four rounds uh it's a no contest so it happened right in the fourth round and we didn't finish the fourth round so it was a no contest and it was a cut over my eye. And uh, the doctor was asking me, oh, you know, how many fingers do you see? And I was trying to answer. And he's like, you know, you can't see out of your eye. So we have to stop the fight. So leading up to this fight, one day I had on HBO, this guy, his name was uh, James Del Rosa. Mm-hmm. And he was out of Texas. And, oh, man, this guy, he's like, oh, Hugo, quit. He's all like, let's hope he doesn't get any other little cuts out of his eyes. Because then we know he's going to quit. And he's like, and I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to make him quit. And yada, yada, yada. And uh, we showed it to the winds. And so I'm not one to talk crap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not one to talk crap unless there's no cameras yeah. or microphones. You know, like, if you can't hear me, oh, man, like. I'm the worst. So you like to keep it professional? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm you. very, you know, <laughs> clean cut, you know. But if there's no cameras, then then you'll hear my side, you know. And so we were at the wings. We both weighed in. And we were face-to-face. And uh, and this guy's, like, trying to go off. And so this guy that I'm fighting uh, he lost to one of the guys that I had already knocked out. Gotcha. And I was telling him, you know what? I'm going to knock you out like I knocked out so-and-so and how so-and-so knocked you out. Mm. and um and we were going back and forth back and forth and then uh, there's a world an ex-world champion he's a like a living legend his name's bernard hopkins mm-hmm. and he was standing right between us and bernard hopkins kind of had to break us up and he's like whoa, 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 whoa and um he was talking like all this crap and uh in the first round i dropped him with a jab come in stiff jab boom just falls to the ground he's like what the hell was that oh shit and so he gets up, we're boxing, I'm, I'm outboxing him, he makes it to the fifth round, and then I turn southpaw, I'm a righty, uh-huh. and so I turn southpaw, and he tried to come in with a jab, and I went under his jab, and I looped my left hand, and I caught him right on the temple, he just landed face first, we were fighting at Barclay Center, uh-huh. um, and he just landed face first into the canvas, and they just called it on the spot, 
Wow. Yeah, and so he was talking all this crap. But what I do give him a lot of credit on is that he came into my locker room after the fight by himself. He's like, hey, man, you know, I just want to say I'm sorry, and you have all my respect. Oh, yeah. And like, like a true gentleman, you know what I mean? He's like, I was just trying to sell a fight and hype it up. He's like, but you're one hell of a fighter. Dope, man. I was like, that's right, man. It's always good to see that, you know. I, I like when people sell the fight, and then I like when they show the respect right. at the end. Right. Um, how, how important do you feel like selling the fight is for you? Uh, it's very important. But like I said, like I haven't had too many. Uh, I mean, I've had some great opportunities, but not all of my fights are like on huge platforms where I can sell a fight or where I have an opportunity to sell a fight. Because obviously, you know, I want all my fans there, but sometimes it's hard for them to get there or, you know, the tickets are jacked up in prices. And that's why I like to try to fight close to home. But my promotional company always sends me to like New York, Connecticut, Texas, like all these random states. Yeah. When, you know, I have a huge fan base here. You just put them out in L.A. and, you know, we'll sell the place out. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy, man. It's uh, I, I've always respected boxers, you know, because just to get in there and just to do that for how long are the rounds? Like three, three minutes. Three minutes. Yeah, man. That's what I tell a lot of people. They don't understand. They're like, oh, this guy's out there fighting tomato cans. He's fighting taxi drivers and Uber drivers. I'm like, but do you know how how much it takes? Like the balls you have to have to just walk into the ring. Yeah. Like you have thousands of people booing you. Yeah. And then you have millions of people watching around the world that are gonna like laugh at you or make a meme mm-hmm. or something you know uh you're gonna be the next meme or gif or whatever it is on instagram facebook yeah, yeah, tiktok yeah. and all these people are just gonna make fun of you for what for a lousy thousand bucks yeah you know so are you putting your life in danger like just this year alone we've had more deaths in boxing than we've ever had shit yeah man. so a lot of people don't realize that when you're walking in through the ropes it could be the last time you see your family yeah, and they don't think about it like that. It's just like, oh, he's just fighting a bum. Like, yeah, but that bum had the balls to go in there and, you know, put his life on the line just yeah. to feed his family. Definitely, man. Yeah. Now, uh, now speaking of that, I, I saw one interview that you were talking about a story where you uh, you actually knocked a guy out and he had to go to the hospital oh, after yeah. that, dude. Let's uh, let's talk about that, man. Um, So uh, the guy's name's Angel Osuna. Still, man, like one of the hardest fights that I've ever had in my life. So I had sparred Angel before, prior to that fight. <coughs> and um, we had sparred and in sparring, I just took it to him. And um, so I was like, oh, this fight shouldn't be any different. And I was fighting him in his hometown. Like he was a hometown hero, hometown mm. favorite. Uh, we're fighting out in uh, Coachella. Um, and um, we get there and... Uh, he just has like uh, the whole crowd wearing these Angel Osuna um, shirts. They're mm. all like super red, like bright red. And just the whole crowd is just like blooded out. Yeah. And um, we get into the ring. And I have a pretty big fan base that we took out there. And um, I was like, oh, I shouldn't be any different this time from when I sparred him. I should just be with outbox him and just take it to him. Was you know, the crowd and stuff cruise. intimidating you? No, no, no. It was just um, he brought a different game plan. Like his timing was just so awkward and like he'd throw like wild random shots. And so with boxing, it's like you have, if you have two high-level fighters, it's going to be an amazing fight. But if you have someone who's like a real high-level fighter and someone who's a low-level fighter, for the most part, 
they're gonna bring you down to mm, the level gosh. so it's like a dance you know what i mean and so he was just ruining the dance and he was catching me with these wild shots and he was winning the freaking rounds and so <laughs> at the time i was training with a new trainer uh because at this time i was being managed by a guy named joel de la Hoya. he's uh oscar de la Hoya's older brother okay and so joel's like i want you to try a new, a new coach so i was training with uh ricky funes he's out in um the san fernando valley and he trains you know like a lot of celebrities a lot of other fighters and, and i'm like all right i want to be a team player let's try something new so i tried something new i was i felt a little out of my um my comfort zone because he was trying a lot of new things with me hmm. and it was our first fight together so i was trying all these new things during the fight and it just wasn't working and so there's a it's a 10 round fight we're in round six i've lost every single round oh shit i mean they were all super close rounds it was like just a brutal fight like we we're going back and forth but just out of nowhere he would catch me with like this wild shot like just super random that i wouldn't see and i'd be like oh damn like that was a good yeah. shot that was clean and it was clean enough for him to pull off with that round so in your head you knew in like, my head i, I knew this. i was losing that round got you and so we're going into round seven and um in the seventh round i heard him to the body but he still took the seventh round and i'm like damn dude like <laughs> i only have three rounds left and so i he's like he slowed down a lot because i heard him to the body so i take round eight i take round nine and in the tenth round um this guy ricky he slaps me and he's all like do you want to lose your undefeated and i'm like hell no he's all like bro he's all like if you don't knock him out we're losing this fight Shit. like we're in his hometown like you have no other cards left to play but a knockout because if we go to the scorecards you won't be undefeated and it's to the back of the line because there's so many other undefeated fighters out there oh and i was like oh hell no so i i told myself i won't stop throwing until i put this man down 30 seconds into the round i put this guy down bad like i, I heard him and then uh it's on youtube also and oh the fight's yeah, on youtube just that clip okay it's cool cool the, cool the clip at check the end. it out and so um i caught him with like a three or four punch combination he kind of like stumbled and then i i clipped him again and he goes down and um he falls out of the ropes like kind of like out of the ring mm. like he hit the ring and bounced onto the judges onto the judges table and a lot of people say they saw his head hit the bell i don't know i don't remember seeing it and um so he kind of like he was trying to come to and they were counting and somehow he got to his feet like at eight or nine like he was like super at like just wobbly and i looked up at the clock because they had a, a big screen going on i look up at the clock still got a minute and change i was like oh that's forever like there's no <laughs> way he's gonna make it out of this and they just stopped the fight and i was like in shock like the whole crowd was like what the hell is going on and so, um, like, I jump on the ropes, and I'm going crazy, and then, like, I go congratulate him, like, or just say good fight, you know, and um, he's sitting down, and he's on his stool, and he's kind of, like, just falling over, and <gasps> he couldn't, like, keep himself up, oh, and he's just, like, slowly, like, falling over, and they call in the paramedics, because the paramedics are always on site during the fight, Yeah, and so uh, they bring out the, the gurney, they, they put him on the stretcher, they rush him out in an ambulance and i was like what the hell I'm like it was bad but it wasn't that bad like he got to his feet it wasn't too bad yeah and so 
I go into the locker room. Everyone's like, oh, my God, you had an amazing comeback. Like, we wish you could have been on TV. Like, like all the promoters kicking themselves in the ass because they don't record it and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So I come back out. I'm with my wife. I'm already all suited because I always like to come back out in a suit. Uh-huh. So I'm all suited. And uh, I got a couple of bruises from the fight. And um, I'm sitting down watching the rest of the, the card. And um, there's the, his coach and some of his family members behind us. And one of the guys goes, hey, man, how's Angel? And the guy's all like, he's in the hospital right now. He's having um, uh, brain surgery. Like, and like all the hairs on my face just came up man and i was like what the like i didn't turn around or say anything and they're like yeah um they had to cut a piece of his back of his skull out so to relieve the pressure from all the inflammation from the fight and we also think he hit his head on the on the bell and so they cut out a big piece of his skull and from what i had heard he was in a in a a coma for i want to say six months and he had a lot of short-term memory loss like bad man and like it was a bittersweet victory for me because i had to call in every week hey man how's angel doing how's angel doing how's he doing is he any better and uh it took him six six months i believe to like come back to and he had to do a lot of like physical therapy and like to like learn how to walk again because he was paralyzed from like i i believe it was from his whole left side down for a few months yeah, man, it was it was bad. It was intense. And so, like I said, a lot of people don't understand that. In this sport, obviously, we're trying to kill someone. Yeah. But not, like, permanently. Like, I'm not trying to take something away from you that feeds your family or that puts food on the table, you know? This is how you provide for your family. I, I don't want to take that away from you. Yeah. I just want to beat you and then go on to the next level. But, um, yeah, man, all that was on my conscience. Like, man... He boxes like I box. He uses this to provide like I use this to provide. Like, I took all that away from him. Like, if his dream was to become a world champion, I took that from him. So you start thinking about all this stuff. So it's like, damn, did I really win? Like, how do I enjoy this victory? How do I how do I post about this on social media? Yeah. You know, like, after this guy's going through something so traumatic and his, like, family has to live in the hospital. So it's it's tough, man. A lot of people don't don't understand what fighters go through, whether you win or lose. They don't see what goes on behind closed doors. So it was it was uh, a tough experience on my part. Um, I mean, I don't let it affect me when I go into the ring. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I was just doing my job. And um, so I think it was like eight months later, seven eight months later, they had a fundraiser for him at that same casino, and. Uh, they were uh, raising because he had a huge medical bill. I think it was mm-hmm. like a million dollars or something like that. Fuck. Yeah. And um, so they were trying to raise funds for him and uh, whatever they raised. I know the the casino was putting like a hundred thousand on top of that. And um, so no one invited me, and I was like, "Dang, should I go? Like, it's gonna be all his family, all his fans. Like, maybe I shouldn't go." And I was like, "Nah, it's for a good cause, and yeah. I gotta show him, pay him my respect, you know, because it was a brutal fight." And like I was winning the fight, he was he was still doing great. He was yeah. winning, and so I go and um, we show up and everyone's kind of shy. And I'm like, oh man, like I maybe I shouldn't be here. And um, I see him and he sees me and like he was walking with the cane and he has this huge scar going from the like the temple side of his head, going all the way to the back of his head, just like massive scar, and uh, it looks like they opened him up. 
and um so i see him and i'm like hey man how's it going like how, how are you feeling like so oh, i'm good you know he's like yeah hey, i just want you to know that it's not i know it wasn't personal you know if it wasn't me i would have been doing it to you yeah you know like um you know like us mexicans we say you know we die in the the line of battle and that's exactly what i did man like you know i just happened you know i know you weren't trying to do this on purpose it was just, it's part of war yeah and i was trying to do this to you but unfortunately you got to me before i got to you and he and he took it i was in awe he took it greatly man because to be able to handle something like that where i feel like man i've worked at boxing my whole life and this dude took it away from me yeah. like i'd be salty yeah you know i'd forgive but i mean i'd be salty like this is all i've worked for my whole life and this dude took it away from me yeah so it's um i was surprised i was more in awe the way he took it but um he was a good sport man we took a couple pictures and it was a good night dude that's fucking heavy yeah, bro man, god damn yeah that's scary dude it's it's brutal man like um a lot of people tell uh um or they don't tell you but you know amongst fighters you don't think about that every time you go into the ropes or through those ropes like you leave a little part of yourself in every fight and you'll start to see it like if you start noticing fighters you're like oh he's not fighting the same he did last time or this just this little thing that he's not doing and it's like he might have left in the last fight he might have aged from overnight Mm. he might have given all his youth in one fight and then gotten old to the next or you might lose your life in the ring you know and it's hard you may never see your family again after you walk through those ropes damn bro yeah man i'm telling you it's like stuff that gives you goosebumps and then uh and then it's tough because like behind behind boxing like um you know there's there's the work that you have to put in to get to the actual fight so you're breaking down your body for months on end um sacrificing sacrificing birthdays you know anniversaries uh whatever special occasion you don't need because there's a holiday um and you get to your fight and promoters or managers just want to pay you crap Mm -hmm. so you'll take whatever crap they give you because that's what you've been working for and then you go out and you put your life on the line and then the whole world is a boxing critic and everyone wants to criticize you you know what i mean yeah it's, it's a lot of things that people don't see people just see the limelight or what people want you to see on social media you know yeah so it's tough man like i said to be a fighter it's it's a tough thing because you're always just being criticized on one thing or another it's like you're under a microscope you just can't just be yourself you know does does that do you take that into consideration with uh your popularity growing Mm, i used to i used to a lot um like i enjoy being clean cut because it's always just been me like, mm-hmm. like I told you earlier, like dressing up. Tilly's like, hitting yeah, Tilly's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not Tilly's no more. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, not, not anymore. Before, like early on in my professional career, I used to read everything, like mm. everything on on um, <coughs> on Twitter, everything on MySpace. Like I used to take everyone's um, criticisms hard. I gotta, I gotta prove this fan wrong. Yeah, yeah. I gotta yeah. prove this right or wrong. Uh, this writer said that this fan said this i'm gonna work on that and then up until i got to like 15 fights more or less i was just like i'm done yeah i'm done pleasing everybody like i will never make anyone happy like uh like that knockout that i had on hbo one of the best knockouts of the year right 
like I instantly knew it. Mm-hmm. Everyone they kept replaying it on the big screen at Barclay Stadium. Wow. And I was like, man, like it feels it feels dope, you know, and just hear the whole crowd go, Oh, ah, like it's badass. Yeah. And so we get into the locker room and my manager tells me, Oh yeah, that was a great knockout. But you know, there's always room for improvement. And hmm. I was like, dude, are you serious right now? Like, well, that was one of the best knockouts of the year, and you're gonna you're gonna come and criticize me? Like, I just won. Just give me a couple days. <laughs> yeah, at least one day. Yeah. Like, bro, I just won. Like, no. Like, way. like ten minutes ago. Like, I just got back into the locker room. Everyone's celebrating. So, yeah, there's you could have worked on this or you could have worked on that. It's like, come on, man. Are yeah. you serious? And so I'm like, you're supposed to be on my team. You know what I mean? It's just like, come on. And so it's just it's hard to like just enjoy something because it's always like oh what are you gonna do next what about this do you feel like you could have worked on this it's like just congratulations that's it just let me do me yeah but it's never like that how much time do you do you put on the now instead of like thinking about the future like i know you have the fight coming up i'm a very focused on uh, the task at hand kind of guy Uh, i'm always just whatever's in front of me i'm gonna like take down handle it which like for ezra is like ezra's like well what's your one-year plan what's your two-year plan what's your three-year plan what's your five-year plan what are we going to be doing in 10 years and i'm like i don't even know what i'm gonna be doing tomorrow yeah like damn like it's just not it's just not me i've I've always been raised kind of like um i guess kind of like a robot yeah like just do this handle this take care of that because that's what you do in boxing yeah you know it's just always like pick your hands up move out of the way you know through this combination so you're just very like a robot so that's why i really enjoy my downtime yeah you know because i'm always just just grinding man like all day especially when i have a fight okay everybody we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute yo what's up fool make sure you check out downstar for all of your dress up knees Get it poppin' over here. We have all the kiss for the K-Series, the B-Series, the transmission, the mouse, the engine, the Toro, baby. We have the hardware for the seats, for the stereo. We got it for the speakers. We got it for the lug nuts. We got it for the air valves. We got it for everything, dog. So you make sure you hit us up at downstarring.com or you call us up, fool. You can even text us, lame, 818-937-3472. Just shoot us a text and tell us what's up, dog. I need some fucking balls in this bitch hit us up downstarring.com hey and if you got an instagram slide in our fucking dm at downstar wait hit up the homie frank underscore downstar he's the one that takes care of all the dms hit that level up and shoot him a message and he'll get you all taken care of real nicely Dude, I could definitely relate to that, man. Like, we just got off one of the biggest sales that we've ever had, you know? And I'm I'm not even thinking about it. I'm thinking about the future. Yeah. And sometimes I need to just check myself like, yo, bro, just enjoy this shit right now, yeah. you know? And enjoy this, this milestone that you hit. Enjoy this win yeah. instead of thinking about the next win. But... I don't know if it's just because of like it, it's it, it's in entrepreneurs, you know, keep going and going and going. But like, there's no end of the road. There's never gonna be a time where I'm gonna be like, okay, now I'm satisfied. Yeah. I can. I'm very visual, so I can picture things, and I could picture me, uh, 
living the life that I want to live and I can be in that spot and still think like, okay, what's next? What's next? Yeah. You know? And I feel like that's, that's a sickness. Um, <laughs> and somebody that, that brought this up to me is a uh, sky hollow from a, uh, you know, the re up barbershop. Yeah. Yeah. So I had hollow on here and then he's the only one that's ever put it to me like that. And I was like, dude, that's so fucking right, bro. It's like, it's like a disease, yeah. you know, it's, it's from the outside looking in, it looks good. You know, you're hustling, you're doing this and doing that, but like, you don't see me at home. You don't see like the wheels keep spinning right. and I have to like smoke at night to fucking <laughs> calm okay. everything down. It's like, dude, it's hard, man. So don't lose that, bro. If you're able to live in the moment and enjoy what's going on like, to, to somebody like me, it, I would think a different way. Like, I envy that, yeah. you know? Sometimes I wish I could just sit down And that's how, but that's how my it. wife is, though. So, like, she gets me, like, she'll get me going, like, all right, what do we have to work on? Like, what do we, what's next? What's next? And, and I'm like, man, like, sometimes you got to sit back and realize that what I wanted five years ago, I have now. Yeah. You know, but I don't realize it. Everything I had wished for, that I had prayed for, that I had asked for, God has already given me that. But, like, it's just never enough. Yeah. Like, you're always just chasing the next thing and the next thing. And and I feel like with boxing, it's like you're chasing this natural high that you get. Like, um, two years back, I had, like, one of the best knockouts of the year on, um, I think it was, I think it was FS1. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just everywhere, man. Like, that thing just went viral. Sick. And I was like, dang, this is awesome. Like just to like feel that all my hard work has finally paid off and just everyone that's a hardcore boxing fan or is in the boxing world knows who i am like it just feels like all my hard work has finally yeah. paid off and you're always chasing that high because you always want that for the next fight and the next fight and the next fight you know yeah do you guys ever have you and your wife ever have a conflict of, of different ways of thinking about things um we do but she's very um methodical in the way that she like breaks everything down and she'll like if mine doesn't make sense then she'll be like well how are you gonna get there yeah you want to do this but how are you gonna get there so for me i'm like a very big dreamer yeah and she's like very realistic break it down yeah and she's like well all right you want you want to achieve this goal how are you gonna get to that goal we have to do this this that this this and that and i'm like damn i (laughs) I just thought i was gonna get there you know what i mean and so so i'm like all right well then then she brings me back down to earth you know like my head will be in the sky and she'll be like all right then it's time to come back down and be realistic yeah yeah you have this goal we'll keep our eye on this goal but we have to put on all the work to get there what about having her on your team like as far as maybe marketing or merch or things like that oh okay cool yeah with with sky and uh oh really yeah uh there's a there's a uh, girl that's helping me out she works over at visit oxnard Uh uh-huh and a couple other people that they've all put together and so it's a it's a group of them five where they're working on like just last night they're working like my new facebook because i never had facebook mm-hmm. uh facebook uh my website and all this other stuff that they're just linking all together and you gotta get a youtube bro yeah you should you should find somebody who's young and passionate about videography and you should start documenting yeah. your journey dude i would really recommend that because at the least you could come back five years and you can watch that video yeah. and um i have like older videos and things that we've done in the past and when i watch that i can actually feel how i felt at that time right you know and you say like right now i'm where i wanted to be five years ago right like imagine get, getting back to that point and just that kind of helps you 
appreciate it you know and then keeps Which it I in know. history yeah that's true definitely because a lot of the stuff that i was looking up was interviews from other people and things like that but right. i feel what what people really are interested in is like the behind the scenes kind of stuff right you know that's why podcasting is so big right now you know you i was looking for interviews of you and there's nothing over five minutes yeah you know and to have like a podcast where you get to hear somebody hear their story and hear what actually makes them who they are that's like that's a really good way to get supporters right you know and i know that from my side from the the car stuff you know and it's just it's crazy how times are nowadays dude things are changing people really want to be relatable to somebody right you know yeah that's awesome man i, I uh I look forward to watching this fight, dude. Thanks, man. It's it's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Definitely just like I said, you break down your body every single day, you know. So let's let's hear what it, like today was like. So we're 17 days out. What right. is what is camp going to look like? Um well today today was a little rough cuz my little girl didn't go to sleep till like 4 a.m. Oh, so shit. yeah, so this, so that's how my day started. <laughs> so um so woke up, got to the gym at nine. Uh, had, had to drop off my little girl. I had the luxury today because my uh, mother-in-law was off. Gotcha. Uh, got to the gym. My my workout session is about three hours, three hours and some change. Um, so it involves you know shadow boxing, hitting the mitts, um, hitting the bag, uh, the speed bag, the double end, jumping rope, uh, all my sit-ups and push-ups, my neck exercises, stretching out. Then I get off, I came here, and then I'll probably go rest. I'll go out for a run on the street, and that'll be about four or five miles. And then I'll get to relax. My wife will be home from work, get to hang out for a little bit. And then I'll go run to um, the gym at night. I'll be at the gym, and I'll be running like another three or four miles. And it'll be like midnight, 1 a.m. So it's three sessions? Yeah, more or less three sessions. And when it gets closer to the to the fight, you start pulling back a little bit. Oh, pulling yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, uh, like like right now, it's very intense. So like the week of the fight, you just pull back completely. Gotcha. Yeah, it's all light just to maintain your weight. All the hard work has been done, but up until like a week before the fight, it's like the closer you get, the harder you go, the harder you go, and then that week of the fight, you just pull back. So what's your weight that you're going to be fighting at? I fight at middleweight, so it's one sixty, mm-hmm. and so I'm a tall one sixty. So I am about six one and a half, um, and most of my opponents are like five ten, yeah, five nine, five eight. What do you uh, sit at usually? Um, I probably walk around like at one seventy five. Oh, okay. Yeah, one seventy five, one eighty, more or less. Is it hard to get that fifteen twenty off? Um, the first ten is not bad, and then the last ten it starts to get a little harder, and then the last five it's super hard, and then the last two it's like. Uh, come on dog you can do this you can do this um but it's not too like too bad like i feel like because i've been doing it my whole life yeah i know exactly what i have to do you know so what's your diet look like um just eating healthy man just eating clean um when i'm on a diet for a fight i like to be a pescatarian okay so i like to stick to fish uh soups salads um just very clean stuff that'll go through me like in and out and just stay on top of my vitamins. So what type of uh, what type of fish are you on? Um, it'll be either like salmon, um, 
tilapia, uh, just a bunch of random fish. And then what about like uh, the soups? Um, so my wife, uh, she's Filipino. Mm-hmm. Um, so her parents just make a bunch of soups all the time. Mm. Yeah, so it's it helps out a lot, especially when I'm like in training camp. They just they just automatically know that all right, it's soup time. Yeah, yeah. got you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then uh, like salads, do you put anything on it? Or? Um, like I said, just keep it light with fish, and then it, it could either be like just lettuce uh tomatoes just random uh vegetables it's nothing crazy yeah yeah it's just it's just to eat you know what i mean sometimes when you're eating it's just like i just need this sustenance so i'm gonna grab a little bit and then go on what about after a fight do you feel yourself getting cravings so so i, I get cravings all the time so, <laughs> yeah, so when uh when i'm like in camp why is that like i swear it's like you're pregnant like <laughs> You get all these random ass cravings during your fight. And so you want this stuff that's all gluttonous and then you can have it after the weigh-ins and then you get it and you don't even eat it. I'm like, because the craving passed already, you know what yeah. I mean? It's all like a mental thing. It's theme. mental, yeah, 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 yeah. And so like, even my dad's all like, damn, why do you torture yourself like that? And I'm like, what do you mean? So like the day before the weigh-ins, we'll be chilling in the hotel room and... I'll be like flipping through channels and I'll come across the Food Network <laughs> and I'll be like, damn, that'll be good for tomorrow. And my dad, my dad will be like, why do you torture yourself like that? And I was like, I never paid attention. He's like, you do it every single fight. You mm. just start watching the Food Network before you go and fight. And I'm like, I never noticed that. I think it's just like a mental thing. Like I'm, I'm just watching to see what I can have tomorrow, getting ideas to see what I can eat after the wins. Maybe you use it as a motivation, like a... a- Maybe a reward yeah i never thought about it like that um so yeah when the weighing comes i just like to introduce my body to like like slowly to the food again because mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're training your stomach to get smaller and getting used to, to doing a lot with a lot of with a little bit of um energy yeah or fuel and um so like i'll start off small with like a soup and a salad and then I'll start off with some pasta. And then slowly throughout the day, I'll eat like four or five times. And then at nighttime, I'll do like a steak with like a potato. And then the following day of the fight, I'll just have breakfast and that's it. Yeah. So <laughs> when you weigh in, it's how how much before the fight? 24 hours? Mm-hmm. It'll be 24 hours and then uh, you have 24 hours to rehydrate. Okay. So at once you weigh in from that time to the yeah. fight you can weigh whatever whatever you you gain i mean i would advise you not to gain that much weight because your body will feel it you know because your body's used to training at one weight mm-hmm. and if you show up 20 pounds heavier which has happened before not to me but to fighters yeah. that have done that and they look sluggish mm-hmm. they look um very slow um like their body didn't digest the food well because they went out and ate crap and early on in my career, I was just, when I was fighting like four round fights, which is like the least amount of rounds you could fight, I was like, oh man, I want a pizza. I want a burger. <laughs> I want Skittles. I want a Starburst because uh, I'm huge on sweets. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want all these candies. Go buy a bag of chips. We'll go buy these Gatorades. And the I'm night like, before? Yeah. Uh, of the fight, yeah. <laughs> After <laughs> the win. So I'm like, I want this, that, this. And everyone's like, ugh, like, why are you eating that? <laughs> And I'm like, hey, man, I've been on a diet for, like, a month and a half. Don't tell me nothing. <laughs> and then afterwards, like, like as you're getting older, you're learning your body, you're like, why was I eating that crap? 
Like I would, de- I was definitely not gonna perform like how I'm performing now. Yeah. To where like I've learned my body like a science, and I know exactly what I have to eat, when I have to eat it. Like every thirty minutes, drink a bottle of water, and then it's a little bit of Pedialyte, and then slowly for like three or four hours, bottle of water, some Pedialyte. Yeah. And then Gatorade's all sugar, so probably don't recommend Gatorade. And before, after the weigh-ins, when I was younger, I used to grab two Gatorades and just pound both of them. I'd be like, ah, I feel like throwing up. Really? You know what I mean? So I, I was like, I probably shouldn't have done that. Probably should have started off with some water. Yeah. And so, you know, you just, you learn. How much water do you drink daily? Um, I don't even keep track, man. I just have this huge hydro flask and I just fill it. And then at the gym, they have a the little water machine and I just keep refilling it until... Got gotcha. you. Yeah, I try to drink a lot of water, dude. I try to drink at least a gallon. You yeah. know, s- some days that doesn't work out. Yeah. But uh, it definitely makes me feel a lot better when I drink a lot of water. And what I've been noticing too, like you say, uh, you figuring out your body. The more shit food that I eat, like I've been noticing yeah. that I start feeling like shit. Yeah, you, know? you just you know, you'll know, you'll know right away where you feel like sluggish. You're like. Oh, man i don't have to do these orders for Black Friday, <laughs> yeah. but you know what i'm going ahead and just take a nap yeah you know what i mean so you can't you, you'll know the difference as opposed to where like you eat like a piece of fish or like a steak with like some vegetables and then afterwards you're like man yeah that was pretty good but I don't, you don't feel like you overindulge yeah you know what i mean like that was i probably shouldn't have eaten all that yeah so say for just a regular person that wants to eat a, a cleaner, but without making it kind of a, a, a lifestyle change. Uh, what what are some recommendations that you think you would have? Just like easy things to do. Um, cut out soda. Sodas and like energy drinks and stuff like that. Um, water is your best friend. Because with water you can, um, or even like BCAs. You heard of BCAs? No, what is that? So uh, it's called... Uh, they're amino acids, mm-hmm. so it's BCAA, um, and uh, you can pick them up like at NutriShop, and um, you just pour a scoop into like a ton of water, and it has no sugar, has like zero calories, and it's just like a flavoring for water, but it has amino acids, which obviously your body, oh, wow. ne- which obviously your body needs, so it helps you stay hydrated, but it doesn't taste like you're drinking an energy drink. You yeah, know, it has like a bunch of electrolytes, uh, a bunch really? of different stuff. And it, oh man, it's wow. Is it expensive? Like, no, it's like um, I want to say it's like 35, 40 bucks, uh-huh. more or less. But it comes with like a lot. Is it one, like one of the big? The little school. It's a. Gotcha, it's gotcha. about like this size. Got you, got you. So you get like I think like forty servings. So I mean, it's yeah, like almost like a dollar a scoop. Really? Yeah, and it. It's Dude, I gotta good, look man. into that. Yeah, because that's the only thing about water is that it doesn't like, really have yeah, no it gets flavor. Boring. Yeah, it gets boring. Like, Let me just go buy this drink real quick. <laughs> I need some iced tea or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trust me, man. I drink water all day, every day, and and my wife doesn't drink soda. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm like, man, can we go buy a juice? <laughs> yeah. Like, let's have something in the house, and she'll be like, I guess. And so we'll like, or like if we have a party, some of my family will bring soda because they all drink soda. <laughs> and then so like, they'll be like, all right, well, we're leaving. And my wife will be like, oh man, they left their sodas. I'm like, it's cool. Just put them in the fridge. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's cool. Like someone will come by and drink them. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they're all gone. Yeah. My bad. Dude, I, uh, <laughs> I stopped drinking soda a long time ago, man. 
soda and energy drinks pretty much all i drink all day is just coffee okay. and uh yeah, and water and that's too. it i need it bro yeah no i need back in the day like before i i kind of pinpointed what the issue was yeah in the morning i would get up feeling like shit probably because i went to bed super late yeah. you know feeling like shit getting up gotta go to work drink a coffee you know you go to work and once the coffee starts crashing you're like fuck i gotta get something in my system yeah. let me go eat so we go to eat at toppers big uh, ass meal and right there have an iced tea too yeah. you know and then after lunch you're like oh fuck i feel like shit let me go get an energy drink and it's just like dude this is like what drug addicts do bro <laughs> up and down up and up down and up and down, yeah. up and down um so what one of my friends taught me is like if you're making your own coffee add um add a little bit of coconut oil hmm. uh, just a little bit like uh if you have a spoon just like uh oh man i would say like maybe, maybe a fourth okay and that might be even a little too much of your spoon like just a couple scrapes okay and then if your coffee's hot stir it into your coffee and it's gonna look like you know when water and oil like don't mix yes, and it's yes, like yes. lingering on mm-hmm. top. So after you drink your coffee, what the what the coconut oil does mm-hmm. supposedly, this is what I was told, is yeah. that it helps drip the coffee into your system slowly, so there's no crash oh, with the coffee. Gotcha. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty good idea, and I tried it, and it's it even makes it taste better with the coconut. Really? Yeah. That's dope. I I, don't, I really don't have a crash anymore because yeah. I'm just like always on the just caffeine always, yeah. <laughs> all day. So next coffee, next coffee, next coffee. I get you, man. I <laughs> At least coffee. two a day, dude. Yeah, I love yeah. coffee. But I feel like there's so much bad stuff that I used to do that I don't do anymore. So I'm just like, you know, let me just have a coffee. Especially cold brew, man. You can't go wrong with cold brew. Dude, this shit was kicking my ass <laughs> earlier. I was like, oh, I gotta go, go lunch. <laughs> Is that my heart? Do you hear that? yeah bro sometimes it gets to you dude i've had moments like that man where it's just like i'll, I'll go to uh, starbucks and i'll be like yeah let me get a venti uh, <laughs> my wife will be like a venti and i'm like yeah i'm kind of thirsty too she's like you don't drink that because you're thirsty <laughs> just let me live my life babe dang. <laughs> oh yeah, man. man so besides boxing what other hobbies do you have um i love uh i love uh power tools power tools yeah just like in general so like for uh for instance my dad always told me make sure you buy like a drill a saw like all these all these tools like a ratchet uh yeah just all this stuff that you're gonna need at your house and so i bought it early on and i was like "Eh, i never really needed it and then so we bought our first home and we renovated the whole thing nice yeah and so it took like 11 months to renovate it it was just like everything's top to bottom right and so I got to use all my power tools and I never like, I never knew how much I would enjoy using them. Like I knew they would come in handy, but I never knew how much I would enjoy using them. And then we bought our second home and the whole, it was, it was twice as big top and bottom. And my wife's like, we just got to renovate the whole thing like we did with the first one. And I was all like, we just moved to this one. We just got comfortable. Like, why are we going to move? And she's like, this one's twice the size. And I'm like, but it's just me and you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, we got to get ready for the future. And I was like, all right. And they just came in super handy for everything, man. Just like, and I never knew how much I would enjoy it. And yeah. I just enjoy being handy. That's you know, dope. Most, most guys nowadays don't even know how to use a ratchet or yeah. know what a real ratchet is, you know? Definitely. It's not dude. a girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, just being able to even teach my wife. My wife's very handy and, like, she likes to be very hands-on. And, and to be able to show her how to use a drill whatever a skill saw 
um it's fun it's fun for me have you ever got into uh cars um growing up uh i was very into muscle cars yeah because my dad's very into muscle cars uh-huh. and so just nothing but muscle car even now just muscle cars my dad just sold his uh 57 beller nice yeah and he'd keep it at my house so every now and then we'd get to take it out and just cruise did you have a wrench on it um no not too much because like i'm like man like if my dad's not here i break something he's gonna be like yeah what the fuck are you doing you know what i mean it's something like yeah i just kind of cruise I think that you might enjoy it, dude, if you got like a project car, because if you like to use tools and you like to, you know, hands on yeah. and, and take nothing to something. Yeah. Dude, cars is perfect. I, thing. I had bought a, a 69 Chevelle. Oh, that's uh, what I got. Which is my dream car. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I had I had bought a 69 Chevelle. No and, shit. Um, it was very simple. It was a 307. Uh-huh. And... Um, I had it and it was sitting. It was sitting for like a year. It ran and everything. Like I gave me a good deal on it. Um, it needed a little love. Uh huh. And I had always wanted to work on it with my dad, but he got real sick, and um, he had uh, two tears in his aorta, mm-hmm. and which is like horrible, you know. Like, Shit. Um, so he was asleep and he woke up out of nowhere. It was like four a.m. And he's like, oh, I have this terrible pain in my chest, like. And he gets to the hospital. And I was like, well, drive him. And my dad's like, no, I'll drive myself. It's cool. My dad's very prideful. Yeah. Very hard-headed. Um, he's like, no. I'm like, dad, if you're not feeling good, like, I'll drive you. And my dad's like, you know, it has to be serious, like, when you're dead asleep and just something just wakes you up. And so they took him and they took some x-rays and they're like, like, we don't know how you're alive right now. Like, having two tears in your, in your aorta, like, is horrible, you know? And so they rush him. They're like, we got to rush him to surgery. Like, we can't tell you anything else. Like, we'll let you know how he is. Just wait here in the waiting room and we'll go from there. And I was like, uh, uh, what's going on? Yeah. And so they rushed him to, to surgery. And so this surgery, they had to break his rib cage open. So he has like a, a scar from like the top of his or the bottom of his neck to like the top of his stomach. Mm-hmm. And they ripped him open and they had like. He had a bunch of like heart problems and he had two big tears going down the middle of the wall of his aorta. They're like, man, like this happens to like one in every like 5,000 people and like one out of like 100,000 people survive this. Like we have literally no idea how you're still even just talking to us right now. And so when they did the surgery and the surgery took like, I think like 10 hours, something like that. We come back in. Like, I look at my dad, and, like, he's, like, all swollen, like, super swollen. And then I feel his hand, and he's, like, super cold and stiff. I don't know if you've ever uh, gone to a funeral. Mm. You ever touch a, a dead person when they're in the casket? No, I stay a couple uh, feet back. Yeah I, yeah, I recommend you do it. It just, it feels weird. Like, like touching this, this this table right here yeah. in front of us, that's how my dad felt. And I was all, like, there's no way he makes it out of this. It's just, like, I have... Like, I'm praying for the best, but I'm expecting the worst, you know? And, like, when this whole thing was happening, I was getting ready for a fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, my brother's like, we got to keep going. And my brother was, like, 15 at the time. And um, he's like, I'll train you for a fight. My dad was in the hospital, and my dad kind of, like, came to a couple days later he's like just keep training like just keep working out like don't stop like if i go if i pass like just i 
I want to know that you continue to follow your your career, you know, to become a world champion. And he's like, and if this is the last thing that I tell you, just know that I'll be happy to know that you and your brother continued following your dream. And I'm like, nah, dad, don't see that. Like, you're not going to pass, you know? And, bro, like, I had my fight, and I look out into the crowd, and my dad's right there. Shut in up. In the crowd. Just, like, all meted up. Like, he was all on morphine and all this other medication they had given him. And they told him, you can't leave the hospital. He's like, if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to watch my son fight. He ripped all his IVs out. He had one of my uncles, one of his brothers, pick him up because they all got into a limousine and drove out to the fight. And they picked my dad up, and he was there at the fights. Wow. Yeah, man. It's crazy. I even have a picture um, at home where it's me and him after my fight, and he just looks, like, all medicated, you know? And it's crazy, man, like the stuff you do for your kids. It's intense. Yeah. Damn, bro. How long ago was that? Mm, it was earlier in my career. I was uh, about 19. Got you. Okay. Yeah. So 2010, maybe. So how did he, how's he doing to this day? Uh, he's doing a lot better, but um, he'll always have like uh, heart complications. Yeah. Um, So for this fight that I had June 1st, the mm -hmm. one that I told you that I felt was a bit close, um, he had been given this medication. Um, there was the wrong medication by the hospital that was making him sick. Mm. And it made him so sick that he wasn't able to go to my fight. <sighs> like the day of the weigh-ins, he was like, like they have me quarantined because I can infect other people. Mm. And um, so they had him locked up at the hospital. He's like, I can't leave this time. Like, there's no way I can get out. Like, they have me locked up. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm just not gonna be able to make it. And and uh, I started looking up what was going on, you know, me thinking I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I started looking up on WebMD, like, what are his symptoms? Like, why, what, what can happen? And um, and he's like, man, I just feel horrible. And then he wasn't able to make it to the fight and he wasn't in my corner, you know. And I like to say it, it didn't mess me up, but, you know, my brother says he feels like it did. Really? Know, yeah. My brother's like, if my dad was here to give her better instructions, I feel like you would have done better. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So it's tough, man. Yeah, he still, he still fights, fights with it a lot. Um, they told him, you know... Uh, I guess my brother was because my dad, like I said, he's very prideful and he's the type of person that doesn't like to worry other people. Yeah. Like he's very to himself. Like I got this, I got this handled. And so he, um, he has never told us that, you know, um, that his heart could stop at any moment. And so my brother was with him the day before we left to the winds at the hospital and my brother's all like the doctor walks in he tells my dad did you know your heart could stop at any moment and my dad just brushes him off like yeah i knew that but what's my problem today and he, he's like the doctor looked at him and was like how do you just brush something like that off like you know like your heart could stop at any moment yeah but just my dad man like he just doesn't like to worry people and he he just keeps everything to himself. Like, there's been weekends where he spent at the hospital because it wasn't feeling good. And we had to find out from somebody else that saw him there. Yeah. So, it's 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 hard because, like, you know, you want to take care of him. But he just wants to take care of us. So, he doesn't tell us what's going on in his life. 
Yeah. So it's a little rough with that, man, because I wish I could, you know, be there for him more when, when he's not feeling good because he's always there for us. Yeah. That's what dads do, though, man. Yeah, man. You know? I, said, I, I bet you anything how he feels right now is that his mission is complete. Yeah. You know? He's raised a good family. He's He's done his job, you know? Dude, I wish him the best. Yeah, man. He, so he's he's definitely, sounds like a fighter yeah man literally yeah he used to box when he was younger yeah and um he got into a motorcycle accident when he was real young uh-huh and um he crashed into a car while he was in a motorcycle and he landed head first with no helmet oh shit so the you know the um the the doctors told him that's it man you can't box like you take one bad blow to the head and then it's it's a wrap yeah yeah man so it's so that's why he never wanted me to get into boxing, you know, because he kind of knew what it was like. And before he ever got to go pro, he understood, like, just the amateur side of it. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like he gets to live his his um, his dream through me. Definitely. Like, you know, like, through all these hotels, traveling, meeting all these people, and, and just being up there on the biggest stages in the world for boxing. I feel like he gets to live it through me. So it's... I, I feel happy that, you know, that I'm able to take him that far, you know? Yeah. That's dope, man. And to what I was getting to before, you know, I took this uh, this different route. Um, no, it's good to hear these stories, man. Definitely. Yeah, uh, what I was getting to was so that that '69 Chevelle that I had, why I had bought it was because I thought I was gonna work on it with my dad. Yeah. But he got sick, and so we weren't able to. We were never able to work on it, and I just ended up selling it. Oh, yeah, on my shit. wedding day, yeah. Really. On my wedding day that morning, yeah, the guy came to pick it up, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I'll take it." I was like, "All right, there it is, man." Damn. Yeah, it'll be a while before my dad gets better, so, yeah. Yeah. Better than letting it rot. I'd rather let someone enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those cars are so fucking hard. Dude. Oh, man, you I know? love them, I've man. had my, uh, I've had my Chevelle since probably 2002. All right. And it's just, yeah, since, I, th- I think I was a junior. The I got it in the summer from junior to senior year, and it's just... The more you put into it, the more problems that yeah, happen. Yeah. And the car hasn't been running for like four or five years. And I just got it running maybe like two months ago. Huh. Cool. Everything's good, you know. And then I went to drive something it else. again. Something else. I'm like, man, fuck this car, bro. <laughs> yeah. Especially with muscle cars. My dad tells me, you know, you'll never, you always have to carry a toolbox. You always have to it carry. sucks. A, you know, something, some kind of tool. Yeah. Because something will always go wrong always but my dad's like there's always a way to either like bypass it and like get it going <laughs> yeah. real quick you know just mickey mouse it and then you'll be good and yeah like, all right see I, I went to go start it the other day and the battery's dead yeah i'm like dude i i don't even have the power to charge the battery yeah it's a big old fuck battery this car. <laughs> it's a huge battery yeah. fuck this car dude it's it funny because my brother uh my brother also had a 69 chevelle yeah but his was a little more tricked out oh okay and um and uh at night he would just disconnect his battery I'm yeah like, why are you afraid someone's gonna steal it he's like nah because these cars even if you don't run them he's like the batteries will die so stupid dude. yeah man it's funny i'm fucking over it yeah but i, I love most cars man with yeah. all chevys i just grew up around nothing but chevys yeah with my my uncles and um and my dad nothing but chevy fans. really yeah just all growing up chevys just buying and selling cars yeah i used to love it it's dope man i mean cars is my life yeah you know but sometimes it just gets irritating yeah, i just want to drive the car yeah and that's it i just want to go and drive the car i learned how to um 
I learned how to drive a uh, three-speed on the column. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, shit. On, uh, on an old school, was it a, a little C10? Uh-huh. It was like a 68 or something like that. And, yeah, man, I was just hauling ass. My dad's like, are you sure you're going to be able to do it? And I'm like, just explain it to me. He's like, all right, it's fir- first gear is down, and then up. Uh, it's up and forward is second gear, and then down is third. And I'm like, all right, then I got this. He's like, but straight up is reverse, so don't, don't put it in reverse. <laughs> so you just peel out and then just go in reverse. And so I'm like, yeah, I got it, I got it. And sure enough, man, it took me five minutes to learn how to drive that thing. Yeah. yeah. I've never driven a car on the it, column. No? No. It's easy, man. It's just like driving stick, just just down, up. Yeah. It's only three gears. Yeah. Um, But it's funny, man, because like, a lot of people don't know how to drive those things. Even stick. Most kids don't know how to drive a stick nowadays. Yeah, if you yeah. think about it. If, if you're a 16-year-old <laughs> kid right now and your parents buy you a new car, more than likely it's not going to be a manual. There's not even that many manual cars out now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like you were saying about uh, uh, younger people not having the knowledge anymore, like to even change a tire or do any of that stuff. Like my dad, he he made sure we knew that we needed to carry a toolbox all the time. Yeah. Or a set of jumper cables at least. Just the basic skills, man. It's crazy. You have to know that stuff, dude. Yeah. I feel bad for a lot of girls nowadays, dude, because the guys that they, they have to pick from. It's like they dated a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, dude. I mean, not to be sexist, but most it's for the most part, it's it's to be, it's a guy's job to do most of that stuff. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, what if a girl, a girl can do it too, but for the most part, if you're with a guy, that should be his job. I think it's mandatory That's, that yeah. he would have to know how to do that. Yeah, man. I don't know. Maybe it's an old way of thinking about yeah, things but too. i feel comfortable with the way that i think right and that's how i'm gonna raise my son you know is that you have to provide for your family and you have to be the one who people go to when there's a problem definitely you have to figure it out the man in the house definitely man yeah. definitely and um life's crazy bro Life is just fucking crazy sometimes. A lot of curveballs, man. It does, man. So many variables that people don't understand that it's... It definitely molds you to become who you are, but, you know, like I said, it's just a lot of of curveballs. Do you ever feel like when things are going good that you're just ready for something bad to happen? Yeah, I do, man. Because it's just like, all right, time to put your guard up because something's about to happen. You know, things are going too smoothly. Like, all right, what's up? You know, like what's about to happen? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I had a question, dude. There's a lot of boxers that come out of Oxnard. There's a lot of people that box out here. What do you What do you think it is about Oxnard that makes that happen? Um, it's like some people say, you know, there's something in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't play soccer, you play. Yeah, uh, you box. Um, I just feel like there's so much history ingrained into Oxnard with boxing that uh, there's a lot of people here that know what they're doing, but it's very underrated um, for, and at least, at least in general. Yeah. Um, in the boxing world, there's a lot of people that know obviously Oxnard because I want to say maybe about five years back, it just became a hotbed for, for, um, for people from all over the world to come and train here. Really? Yeah, man. There was a lot of world champions that were training here at the time from like 2008 to like 2015. There's just tons of world champions that were in and out of Oxnard and they were training over at the Robert Garcia mm-hmm. Boxing Academy. And there's just something that 
we know what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, there's that much boxing history that that people know exactly what they're doing, and it comes from here. Do you feel like people in Oxnard have a lot of built-up aggression inside of them? Um, I do. Um, and I don't know if it's just, like, a community thing, but it's always, like, it's besides the aggression, it's always, like, we're a ghetto or hood type of Oxnard yeah. uh, community, you know? It's always, like, um, and, and it's people from their own town that put their own town down. Like, one thing that I've loved to do is put Oxnard on my shorts because mm-hmm. I want to uplift Oxnard. I'll go do motivational speaking because I want to make sure that Oxnard is, like, put on the map for something positive instead of, oh, it's Oxnard, something yeah. negative. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, they're ghetto or it's Oxnard. You know? Yeah. Um, so, like... It just it's just tough because I want everyone in this community to to obviously like be happy where they're from. Yeah. Like now, like oh, you're from Ventura. Oh, that's a it's a nice city. Oh, you're from Camarillo. Oh, it's a real nice city. It's like they have no crime. Oh, you're from Oxnard. Like, and then it's like, well, yeah, I'm from Oxnard. Like, you got yeah. something to say? Yeah. And then so that's where that aggression comes off. You know what I mean? But it's also like people that are from their own town. They put their own town down. Yeah. So it's like you're you're starting that aggression within yourself. Yeah, I have a uh, I have a lot of pride in being from Oxnard, but I'm also very critical <laughs> of Oxnard. You know, um, I think that the image that we do have as a city is somewhat deserved, right? Because of the way that <coughs> that we represent ourselves, right? You know, um, just simple example anybody listening from oxnard could definitely agree with is uh the collection right if you go to target in the collection how does that look compared to target in ventura or target in camarillo right right and whose fault is that it's it's the community's fault i i really don't think a lot of people um pay attention pay attention to the community issues that are going on you know and that's one thing that I want to help out with is to let people know, you know, people from Oxnard, young kids coming up is like, you don't have to go down that road. You don't have to be part of a gang or you don't have to, you know, be smoking vapes when you're 14 years old. You know, you don't have to fall into that lifestyle. Like I had that lifestyle where it was, it was so apparent to me, but it was, it was in me to make that choice to not go down that road. But I don't know if a lot of people really have that that built up inside of them to to not go down that way. Right. You know? Um, and it's hard because you almost become a product of your environment. Yeah. I mean, if you were raised not to do that, like for me, I was always raised to not be a follower. Yeah. Like just do what you got to do and you don't got to be like your friends. Yeah. You don't got to smoke. You don't got to do all this. You don't got to do none of that. And so I never took that route, like you're saying. Yeah. I never, I never took that route and... I never like really got into partying. Boxing always kept me out of the streets. So I had something that kept me very disciplined, you know, and I never got into drugs. I never got into any of that. And so a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. You know, at home, it's just like maybe that's what they look up to. Maybe they had their parents do that, their brothers do that, or 
whatever and they teach him that that way of living like don't appreciate like ah, it's whatever it's oxnard yeah. don't appreciate what you have yeah i think and that's why it's good to get together with people who are actually doing something inside of the city uh positive things you know right. get get with them and have these kind of public conversations to let people know that like yeah that's how that's how we're looked at right whenever i've told somebody that i was from oxnard and say you're over in thousand oaks or that way yeah. there's always a certain stigma but that yeah. stigma exists for it's some true, reason yeah. You know, and I've seen it from growing up. I've seen how people act and I've seen what their goals are and what their dreams are. And it's just, it's the the older I get and the more mature I get is like, dude, that's not what I want to be part of. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not, that's not me. That's not what I represent. You know, I, I just, but then it's on me too. I got to do more if I want to make a change in my city i have to do more whether it's put it talking to the youth or you know telling them look i i've come from where you're at and i'm not saying that you know i'm crazy successful or anything like that but i'm just showing that i had a dream and i've i've made it to this point working hard you know instead of having the oxnard mentality where you're blaming people about your problems it's everybody else's problem always having that chip on your shoulder where dude sometimes i feel uncomfortable going to some store and you see some guy and this dude just has a fucking look on his face (laughs) and he's like what's up bro like my bad what the fuck did i do to (laughs) you you know why is your day so bad but i know why it is because i i used to think like that dude is like the world my problems were because of the world and what everybody else did. Right. But when I started to realize that my problems are because of the actions that I've done, dude, that gives you so much power, man. Yeah. And it makes you think about things a lot different. It's true. And I love Oxnard, man. And and I hope that in the future, things actually do change where the city's looked at a lot differently. Definitely. I, I like, like you said, I definitely take a lot of pride in coming from Oxnard and I'm, always trying to uplift it like i always wanted like oxnard and something positive oxnard and something positive instead of oh like i come from the shitty town you know and it's always like you said that oxnard mentality where it's it even has its own um its own position already where it's oxnard mentality Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it can't just be like oh my mentality is so and so it's like why do you have that oxnard mentality where you're very closed off and nothing there's no other world outside oxnard a lot of kids, I feel like they do have that mentality because they've never been outside Oxnard. Yeah. And it's all their parents showed them, you know? And so, like, if this is your world. This is where you're going to be. This is where you're going to live. This is where you're going to die. Like, there's so much more out there in the world. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy when you think about it like that, man. Dude, you're like, so right. There's so much more out there in the world. Like, when I started dating Ezra, Ezra loves to travel. Yeah. She started taking me out. First thing we did was we went out to Chicago. I was like, damn. This place is tiny. <laughs> yeah. Then we went to New York for one of my fights. Then we went to uh, Cancun for another one of my fights. Sick. And then we just, from the, after my fights, I'll fight. And then we'll stay a few extra days. Yeah. And then, and then she took me to the Philippines with her family. Oh, nice. That was badass. And then um, <coughs> we went to Mexico again. And then we went back to the Philippines. And then for the Philippines, her sister graduated from med school. So she's a doctor. Yeah. Um, my sister-in-law. And um, she graduated, and as a gift, Ezra's like, well, we'll take her to Thailand, and then from Thailand, we'll jump to, to China. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, let's go. And they're like, it's such a huge world, man. 
Like, there's so much more out there that to have this very narrow mindset. Yeah. It's tough, man, because it's not like that in the real world. Yeah. You know, like, it might be like that in this town, but there's so much more to see. Yeah, and what, what I really feel bad about is that I think that a lot of these people, they don't have the confidence in themselves, and they don't think that they could reach that level. So they just do whatever whatever they've learned growing up you know okay well maybe i'll join a gang you know because i know in the gang shit i can do good right you know maybe i'll fuck this person up i'll shoot this person or whatever and i'll be respected but it's like no dude you're you're thinking about yourself like at such the lowest level like that's all i can achieve yeah i mean like just to just to get by like if i hang with this group they'll take care of me but then it's like you think about it like where is this group when you're locked up? Exactly. Or like if you're dead, how do you? How, where is this group? Do they go visit your grave? Like probably not. They're fucking your lady. Yeah, or something like that. You know, it's just, it's just like for what? My dad always taught us that it's like all these guys, they're, they're fighting for one another. They're killing all these guys. They're doing whatever, just to end up locked up with a bunch of other dudes. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just a bunch of other dudes locked up with dudes. Like come on, man. Like or you're gonna die? Yeah. For what? And like, I go out and enjoy your family. Go yeah. out and enjoy life with some food at least, you know, that you want to eat, not the same stuff over and over while you're locked up. It's just like for what? And yeah. that's why my dad got us out of Colonia when he did, you know? Because if not, we probably would have gone down that path because we would have been products of our environment. Yeah, definitely, man. I uh, I know there's people listening to this right now and they're probably upset because it's just painting a picture of them or their family or whatever. But uh, to everybody listening, I want to let you know, like, this isn't the end of your life. Today's not the end of the day. Today could be the first day of, of the rest, rest of your, your life, life, you know? Yeah, Change that sure, shit, man. dude. And you're right, dude. Just about traveling. Not even about flying somewhere. Say you want to have a, a, a Mexican food, <coughs> whatever you want to have for dinner. Okay, choose a place in Agora. You know, drive somewhere else. Drive probably, to probably downtown. Not yeah, probably not Agora. <laughs> <laughs> From Mexican food, yeah, that's probably not Agora. Well, this, yeah, just drive to LA or yeah. something. Drive yeah, to another LA. city. Just try these other restaurants. Take yourself out of your small comfort steps, zone, yeah. dude. Yeah, small steps. Ever since I've been traveling for the business, man, that, it's changed my mentality on everything, bro. It's like uh, in January, I'm going to be going to Japan for oh, nice. um, a trade show. Oh, dude, you got to go, bro. It's yeah. the best. This is going to be my fourth time going out. Out there bro i can break down the trip in probably like 2500 bucks from having 2500 dollars to the end of the trip having a great time like as far as getting the ticket getting a place to stay you know and, and that's not i mean that's not a ridiculous amount that could be a goal for somebody right. to make you know every month you put away you know a couple hundred, couple hundred bucks, bucks yeah. or something and do it but people don't do it because it's it's so uncomfortable to them that they'd rather just go to vegas and get fucked up yeah. with their friends you know and it's crazy because i have like i have i look at my friends and even ezra's be like i have friends too that are still doing the same thing from high school yeah like like they're grown men and they're still doing the same thing or women they're still doing the same thing and it's the same for me man i see most a lot of my friends are just still working at retail stores still working at fast food and whether it's not it's not bad it's not a bad thing because it's an honest day living. Yeah, it's definitely. Honest pay, but you know, you definitely gotta want more yeah. out of life. You know, instead of something just like, oh, I'm comfortable with where I'm at out of high school, and so out of high school, I'm just gonna work at 
Carl's Jr. for the rest of my life. I mean, I'm not bagging on people that do that, but it's just like there's got to be a sense of wanting more out of life. Yeah. You know, like I, I can go out and I've had this experience for a few years working as a cashier. Well, maybe I could try working at a bank and get paid better for doing the exact same thing, you know, handling money. Yeah. But a lot of people don't see it like that because it takes them out of their comfort zone. But they're the fastest to tell you, like, oh, it must be you nice. You do this, yeah. Must be nice that you're fighting in New York. Yeah. Oh, that it must be nice. You know, I've I've had so many of those must be nice friends, and yeah. we're not friends anymore. Yeah. I don't keep that energy around me anymore. If you don't bring anything to my life positive, you're not in my life anymore. And it's funny that me, me and Ezra are the type of people that just want to see everyone around us succeed. Like, just put it out there. Like, wish nothing but success on your friends and family because it'll come back around. Yeah. You know? And me and Ezra, just whatever way we can help people, it's, we'll help them out instantly, man. Because I just want to see everyone around us succeed. Yeah. Why not? We can all succeed together. We don't have to have that crab-like mentality where I'm going to hold on to you or you can hold on to me and we just pull each other down. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, definitely, like that. man. Then no, one, then no one succeeds. Yeah. So I was excited to have you on, bro. You Thanks, know, man. I'm... Uh, I'm excited for your fight, dude, and I, I just want to keep an eye on your career now. I, I thank Sky for introducing us. Yeah, man, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely. We still got a long time to go for boxing, and and I definitely thank Sky for introducing us as well. So, what do you think um, is going to be <coughs> your exit? Do you feel like you're going to just know, like, okay, I'm done, or do you have a plan? It's hard because. Um, I know a lot of fighters that, that think they want to just go from the sport, but they come back over and over yeah. because it's hard to give it up, man. Like I said, that high that we all chase, like after a knockout or where you're in that limelight and you're just like in boxing heaven. You're yeah. just like all eyes in the crowd are on you. You're all over social media. You're all over um, the news or whatever it is, you know, boxing headlines. It's just like it gives you um, that sense of like, my hard work finally paid off. You know? Yeah. Like for me, it'd be like 22 years of hard work has finally paid off. Every time I win, every time I knock someone out, like that's 22 years of work that people be like, oh, well, I'd go in there and fight Floyd Mayweather for a million dollars. Like, do you know how hard it is to get there? <laughs> yeah. Like I've been doing this for 22 years and I'm not even there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not, it's not something that happens overnight. And people who think, oh, well, you're an overnight success because you have that amazing knockout. There's nothing like that. You know, they don't see all my own birthdays that I've had to sacrifice. My parents' birthdays, mm. uh, Christmases, uh, Thanksgivings, where I'm on a diet or I can't eat my Halloween candy or yeah. whatever it is, you know, just sacrifice, man. And that's what boxing is all about is sacrifice and discipline. Sometimes the limelight, sometimes not. Sometimes yeah. you're just kept in the dark. Now, how? Um... So I don't know if I'll know when it's ready to go, like time to exit. How concerned are you with uh, CTE? Um, I don't know. I really never thought about it. You know, like I've just, like I said, like it's just it's it's hard. I've just really never thought about it. Yeah, I guess if you just think about all the negative stuff, that's just puts more uh, more roadblocks in your head. Yeah, it's just like like you said, just that positive mentality and that positive energy around you, just to encourage you and keep you going. Then, that's how I go. Do you uh, watch the YouTubers fight? Um, I was supposed to help out the the white guy, Logan. Yeah, Logan. Really? They called me a couple times to go help him out, but it just it was hard to 
to mix it with my schedule. So like when big guys like that call me to um or big guys. Yeah. Um call me for sparring. Um it normally has to be in the morning mm-hmm. because if I have to drive out to LA midday and then I have to drive back in traffic, then it's just my whole day's gone. So I probably won't do it. Gotcha. You know I mean? gotcha. So if I do it in the morning at least I'll be back by like one or two and I'll still get a chance to rest and then do my own thing at night, which is my runs or whatever it is, or physical training. Yeah. Did you watch that fight? No, I don't watch it. No? What do you think about stuff like that? I mean, it's good It's good in the sense that they'll bring new fans to the, to the sport, but mm-hmm. like, I thought it was a little insulting when they put like world champions as co-mains mm-hmm. because they're world champions, like, it's hard to become world champion, period. And you have world champions on the undercard. Yeah, you're getting new fans, new viewers. People are finding out who you are. But to like, to fight under guys that have not paid their dues yet mm. as a main event is just kind of insulting, yeah. in my opinion. Gotcha, I mean, gotcha. like I said, it's great that they brought how many millions of new viewers to the to the sport. Yeah. Because it's great. We could always keep growing. But it's just like guys that have invested their whole life on becoming a world champion. And when it's that hard, there can only be one world champion. I mean, come on, you know, it's it's like they, they've they earned that respect to be that co-main or that main event. You got know? you. And these guys just show up because they got a lot of followers on YouTube or whatever it is. And they're the main event. So it's a, it's a little... Um, it's like a love hate thing. Yeah, like I love that they brought a new f- bunch of new followers, but kind of hated it that they were the main event. Do you feel like that they're not really uh, passionate about it? Um, no, it seems like they took it seriously. It seems like they trained and you know they did their part, but like I said, they just they don't have the experience the experience for it. Yeah, it's like just two random guys off the street that decided to pick up boxing for a couple months and. Then they're the main event at Staples Center on a huge network. You know, it's just like when guys like me have spent 22 years doing it and I've never had an opportunity like that. I mean, I'm not I'm not hating, but I'm just saying like there's no no dues that were paid. I see it from both sides. You know, I see it from a hustler standpoint where these guys hustled their ass off and they've been able to have those opportunities for themselves. And then I see it as... um, like if somebody got into the car industry, if those guys just decided to build a car, yeah. you know, and then their car is everywhere, all over the magazines, and it's not even that nice. Right, right. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where you, where do you come from, you know? Yeah, and, and it, like I said, I'm, I mean, it's badass that they took advantage of the opportunity because, I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. You know, to be able to get paid that much just from YouTubing and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're the main event fight at Staples Center. Like you said, seeing it from both sides is just... That'd be badass because I know I'd take advantage of that. Yeah. But like I said, from the fighter standpoint, it's you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. That would definitely help out the social media side, though, yeah. if you teamed up with Logan, for sure. Yeah, man. He's definitely he's got like 16 million followers or something like that. Insane. Yeah. Dude. Those guys are killing it. But it's just yeah. it's just a job. They're on all day, every yeah, day. Yeah, man. It's hard, it's hard for me like, to stay consistent with like... Um, just like all the media that you need just to continue to post, you know, like all the content that you need. Sometimes you just run out and you're just like, 
uh, what am I going to post today? Yeah. And then I'm not going to post tomorrow. And then you just take your time and then slowly you're like, oh, damn, it's been a week. I should probably start posting. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's hard, man. Yeah. It's, it's just another skill. You have to train that skill. And it's just... I hate it to this day, but I have to. I have yeah. to be on it all the time, you know, answering questions, posting up things, interacting with people because that's what keeps us relevant right. in in most people's eyes. Right, and then know? it's like if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Definitely. You know, but it's, sometimes it's hard because it's like I can't even enjoy this dinner without me having to take a picture of it. And post it <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, wife came through again, and then I got to post it, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, babe, you forgot to tag me. It's like, man... <laughs> I can't keep up with all these yeah. things, you know what I mean? But it's like, it, it's hard because sometimes you just want to live in the moment. Yeah. So in the boxing world, <laughs> how uh, how big or small is it? Like how far disconnected are you from, say, like the top boxers? How small is the community? Uh, well, like I said, I'm I'm considered like right now. Technically, so when I fought for a world title a year and a half ago, I was ranked number four in the world wow so it's like like i said like i'm amongst the best in the world mm -hmm. like all those dudes know who i am so like i'm up there but a lot of people like to think like this is such a huge community of boxing yeah but amongst like all the fighters like you know who's who mm -hmm. if they're up there yeah but if they're not you're just like oh it's another new fighter a gotcha. lot of new fighters come in and out but like in the actual community like you'll know this guy's trainer, that guy's trainer. They'll know who you are. They've kept an eye on you. Like, we all know each other somehow when we get to the fights. Do you ever keep in touch with them or it's just something um, when you see them? If they're big fighters, some of them is just like high and by. Mm -hmm. so, I don't know. It's random. Like, you'll follow them on Instagram or you'll talk over like social media, but it's not like, oh, let's hang out. Got you. Let's grab a beer or something. Yeah. It's not like that. I saw that you were sparring with uh, Canelo and Triple G in the past. Yeah. What was that like? All those guys, Canelo, Triple G, Sergio Martinez, Kid Chocolate, like all these guys are world champions. I've had a, a chance to spar them. Um, so, Canelo. Canelo's very, in person, he's, I guess for lack of a better word, he's a douche. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, in, in person, like, his personality, mm -hmm. I don't know, he just, like, there was one time where he showed up late, and uh, so for me, if I show up late anytime, even when I say, or I show up on time, I'll say hi to everybody in the room. Yeah. I don't care who it is, if you're just your mom, I'll shake their hand, hi, gotcha. everything, whatever. Canelo shows up... Uh, an hour and a half late to sparring, and this dude drives up in his Lamborghini. We're right there waiting for him, all me and his other sparring partners. And he walks in with his glasses, looks at everybody, just throws his head back, like saying, what's yeah. up? And he just starts wrapping his hands. Like, if that was me, I'd be like, guys, I'm sorry I got stuck in LA traffic. My bad. Yeah. Like, like, here's an extra 50 bucks because he was paying us to be there, you know? Mm -hmm. But just not even like, oh, my bad. Like, I, I just got caught in traffic hmm. or whatever. Like, make up a dumb excuse. Like, my dog ate my gloves. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And just like a straight douche. Yeah. Yeah, like not even like like any sense of like remorse or guilt or nothing. Yeah. yeah. And like he's a badass fighter. Yeah, I don't take anything that, that away from him. But you got to be kind of likable. Yeah. Be respectful something, you know? And he didn't show anything like that. And mm. as opposed to like Triple G, I got to stay in camp with him when he hired me for sparring. And um, 
And this dude, like, he was getting up. He had just eaten. And we were all sitting at the same table. And I had just finished. And as he was walking by, he's like, hey, Hugo, are you done? Let me pick up your plate. Picks up my plate and watches it. No way. No questions asked, no nothing. He's like, hey, man, how was the food? Was it good? Good, man. Let's go watch a movie. Wow. Go sit down on the couch, watch a movie. Real cool dude. Real humble. Very down to earth. Didn't expect much. Didn't have to be a diva. Didn't want to be treated like a star. Just did his thing. Yeah, he's one of the best fighters in the world, but very humble. Yeah. And that's how, exactly how my dad raised me to be. Like, yeah. I'm not better than him, her, or that guy that mops the floor. Like, he might be the best at being a janitor. Yeah, I'm great at boxing, but it doesn't make me better than him. Yeah. I'm just good at what I do. That's it. So, uh, who's your uh, favorite boxers? Like, who's your inspirations? Um, Growing up, I was a big Oscar De La Hoya fan. Okay. Yeah, I, I liked a lot of guys that I could uh, compare myself to. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like... Um, Oscar De La Hoya was tall and lanky for his weight coming up. And so that's exactly how I always, that's how I still am. You know, I was always like that and I'm still like that now. Yeah. So I'd always, I'd always be like, oh man, this is how he uses his jab. This is how he uses his glut work. And then I started coming up on more guys that were like that. Like uh, Eric Morales, um, uh, Diego Corrales, all guys that were world champions. They either knew how to fight on the inside or the outside, but they were still very long and lanky. Um, and I just like slowly like I like this from him, I like that from him, and try it out. And if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, then on to the next part. Yeah. How do you feel about Floyd? Um. Early on, he was very offensive, but then like later, like the later half of his career is very defensive, and uh, I feel like he's a very smart fighter like his ring iq is through the roof you know just to be able to see punches to see what's coming to see what you're thinking to set up traps it's um he's just on a on a different level like he trains to the point where he doesn't even need a coach yeah because he knows exactly what he's doing and um to be that cerebral is just like is definitely a goal you know just to be able to get to that point where you know exactly what you're doing. You know where you're at at all times. You know, nothing will fluster you. You'll always stay calm and relaxed because if you're calm and relaxed, everything will work out a lot better. As opposed to like, you start to worry, you start to panic, and you start fighting off instinct. That's when you start dropping your hands. You get clipped, whatever the case is. So yeah. To be able to stay cool and calm and collected like he does is definitely a goal. Are you excited to see him come back next year? Um, not really, because anything after this point is just to make money. Yeah, just, right. Yeah, There's he, nothing really to prove. Huh? He knows. He knows exactly what he's doing. So anyone he fights is like, it's almost like a, a celebrity stunt. Yeah. Where he just, just for money. He's just trying to rake in the cheese. Yeah. Now speaking of stunts, I seen that you were on the same card as uh, Adrian Broner. Yeah. Uh, did you ever get to meet him? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How's that guy? He's uh, you know what's funny that uh, he's a real cool person um when there's no cameras around yeah real cool like uh after the weigh-ins we both uh we were fighting in new york and uh we both went to go eat at uh it's a real famous place out there it's called junior's cheesecake okay and um they have they have great cheesecakes but they have like great uh hearty meals Mm -hmm. and um we all went there it was all his team and then all my team and just talking like just regular people like it's real cool very down to earth when there's a camera on, he knows how to like be yeah. that fool, be that clown. Gotcha. Either you're gonna hate him or you're gonna love him because, you know, that's exactly what 
what people want to to sell a fight yeah you know and so he knows how to act a fool he does all his dances <laughs> or like when <coughs> when when we fought on that same card um he was getting all excited during the uh, interviews mm-hmm. and where people were asking him questions. And he kept kneeing me under the table because he was, like, that that excited. Oh, just like. And I'm just like, <laughs> man, like, you're a little dude. Like, you need to chill. Like, I'm on edge. I'm hungry. Yeah. It's cold out here in New York. It's about to start snowing outside. <laughs> like, you better back up. Like, because it's about to get real. But, nice. No, he's, he's, he's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah. yeah. It- same thing with Floyd. I've got a chance to meet him in person. And really? And camera's off real cool person he'll wait till everybody gets an autograph no way yeah man and he's like you guys don't have to push he's like calm down i'm gonna wait for everybody and everyone's gonna get an autograph real cool oh, you want a picture let's take a picture and real cool. but on camera you know he's that guy that you're gonna pay to to see him lose or you're gonna pay to see him win yeah it's just like anything man uh 50 is the product you know yeah. and the product is you going out there boxing doing your thing but the other is the marketing right so it seems like like floyd's got it all together dude 100 yeah. percent. whether you love him or you hate him that's what you're you know his name yeah you know his name and you're gonna buy the fight because you want to see him lose yeah. but he's never gonna lose yeah. <laughs> he's smart he's very calculated now like now he probably won't take any risky fights yeah now it's all just because his name draws money so he'll bring it in yeah what about pacquiao um, I also had a chance to meet him. He's very down earth. I was training at the same gym that he was at for like nine years. Yeah. So we're at the same gym and um, he's a real cool dude. Real cool dude. It's, I'm still amazed at how he's able to move now, you know, and um, just to be 40 years old and to be able to keep up with guys who are undefeated and and take their titles and um and beat them it's just amazing it's almost like he found the founding youth yeah how did you feel after uh, he got knocked out by marquez um it was hard to celebrate because we were watching it at my wife's house oh you were going for marquez yeah i'm a marquez fan (laughs) and um and so was my wife but she's filipino which is very crazy because i tell my wife my wife learned a lot from me and from my brother about boxing. Yeah. And so she's, like, really taken to love it. So she even feels that, that Marcus got robbed in a couple of the other ones. Like yeah. a lot of people feel. And um, so when it happened, me and my brother were watching it at her parents' house. And so there's all these Filipinos there, and they're all <laughs> excited. He had just put Marcus on his ass, and Marcus is getting back up. And then out of nowhere, it happens. And we're just like, oh, and my brother's looking at me, and and, and my brother's like, damn, bro, I, I think I have to go outside, dog. Yeah. And my brother's like, fuck. And, and everyone was like, hi, oh, my God, like, what happened? I think he's dead. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, uh, like, I'm trying to keep it cool, keep it cool. And my wife's like, yes, that's what he gets. And everyone's all like, like why, why are you saying that? Like as and then as was like cause he lost the other two fights. Yeah, like it was fun. Like it's like finally Marcus's turn. Um, so it was. Oh man, it was a badass knockout. That was vicious. Yeah, man, it was badass. If you guys haven't seen that, uh, <laughs> go watch the uh, reactions. You ever oh, watch yeah, those? Yeah, it's funny, man. Dude, those are so funny because like lo- like the Filipino the Filipino reaction. Yeah, that's exactly how it was there. That's exactly how it was at. at uh, 
my uh, wife's parents. Hundreds of thousands yeah, of households man, around the world crazy. were just the same way. Oh my God, he's dead. Yeah. That was crazy, wild, man. dude. That was such a memorable fight. That one, and then um, Victor Ortiz and Mayweather. Yeah. When um, when he ended up knocking him out there, how'd you feel about that that one? I actually fought that night. I uh, no fought, shit. Uh, they fought in where did they fight? They fought in Vegas, uh-huh. and it was the same the first time they had ever done two big cards in uh, two different places, mm. but for one TV show. So uh, they hmm. did they did that fight in Vegas, and they were the main event. But the co-main was uh, Canelo uh, versus I forget who was fighting, but that was at Staples Center, and I was on the Canelo undercard. No at way! Staples Center. Yeah, and it was crazy, man, because they were showing the main event. Uh, so there's nothing going on in the ring at Staples. Yeah, they just had the big old like uh, the TV. Megatron. Yeah. yeah. So they had that going, and and then so everyone's watching the fight. And then as soon as like they they do the the break and then Vic, uh, Mayweather Floyd hits him, um, everyone just started throwing their <laughs> beers down. Like there's the fight started happening, <laughs> and like there's fights in the restroom, and we're like, oh, we need to bounce. No way. Yeah. So we we just left, man. It, was, it got crazy at Staples Center. Wow. Yeah, man. Because everyone thought it was it was bullshit, obviously. But you know, is that how you feel about it? Uh, <laughs> it's hard because like uh, I do feel like obviously they had said break and I I don't remember them saying box, so you gotta wait for the commands. Got you. But you do have to protect yourself at all times, so it's 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 kind of hard, you know. Yeah. Because it's a little bit of both, like whether like it, it either should have counted or it shouldn't have, but uh, it's tough. That was wild, dude. Yeah. I remember even when being a kid watching the um, the Tyson fight in Holyfield. Yeah, when you bit him. Yeah, I was yeah, just man. talking to my son about it. My son's twelve, and then right. he yeah, he was watching uh, like clips of Mike Tyson. Yeah. I don't even know why he watches the most random stuff on YouTube, which is dope, dude. Yeah. So he'll he's just like, yeah, I was watching that guy Mike Tyson fight, and he bit this guy's ear. Yeah, in Holyfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, I remember that night watching it. Yeah, and like, man. I love boxing. Boxing's so dope. You know, I, I wish that I was more skilled in it as far as, you know, being able to to tell, like, different styles of boxing right, and right. things like that. But I don't know, man. There's something about just people putting their heart uh, out there. It's a, it's like going to uh, war. They're, they're modern-day gladiators. Yes, you know? definitely. And, and, and it's like, oh, who doesn't love a boxer or who doesn't want to see a fight or whatever you know and i feel like that's that like primal like instinct that we have yep. like we're at the end of the day we're all savages and we all want to see like these guys fight and we want to see blood we want to see a knockout and like i said it comes at a price that people don't understand yeah damn man well thank you so much for sitting down here and talking with me man let me pick your brain yeah for man sure. of course you know I, I'm, I'm really glad to be here and everyone everyone listening man just know that if you're not a fan, make sure to look me up. And if you become a fan, thank you. And for all those that are listening, that are fans, you know, I just appreciate every each and every one of you guys, man. Because sometimes I have days that I don't feel like getting up. I don't yeah. feel like going running or working out. And I don't feel like breaking down my body. But sometimes I'll get a message or a comment and people will be like, oh, man, you were behind me 100%. We believe in what you're doing. And it just helps me get up and it motivates me man so that's awesome to all my supporters i love each and every one of you guys and 
I truly appreciate all the love. Hell yeah, man. So hopefully we get you a lot of new supporters, bro. So yeah. where can people find you at? I'm on uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook now. It's Hugo Centeno Jr. Um, and then my website, it's Hugo Centeno, uh, uh, HugoCentennial.com. Hugo Centeno. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, for everybody listening, this next fight is in 17 days 17. on the 21st right. so are are there still tickets available for that yeah they're on uh i believe it's on Ticketmaster. um and they're for the charlo harrison rematch they're fighting for a world title and then there's going to be another a bunch of other world title fights on there and uh it'll be on fox sports if you can't make it fs1 and then uh but if you can make it I hope to see you guys there. I'll hang out and take pictures with everybody or whatever we got to do, autographs, yeah. all that stuff. Hell yeah, dude. I wish you the best, man. Thanks, I'm man. looking forward to watching this fight for sure. I wish sure. you the best too, man. It seems like you guys are doing great here. Hustling. You know how it is, yeah, dude. Man. Every single day, you got to keep hustling, dude. That's right. Hell yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, make sure you guys follow Hugo. Show him some love. Uh, check out some of those old fights. And um, check them out if you, if you don't have anything going on on the 21st. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Once again, the Downtime with Downstar episode 122. And we out. Peace. Alrighty.